Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed, and this particular episode is the Andor Report. Juicy, too. Uh, biggie, biggie, squiggly, squiggly. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was having such fun thinking about how this was going to go. Regular listeners know uh, for our reports, our reviews, discussions of episodes, I'll say the blank report, and then Ken makes a fun noise, which means I get to guess right as we start the episode, what is it going to be? And I thought, <laughs> it's either going to be some fun, weird pirate aliens or mm-hmm. uh, B2 emo crying. Uh, and I'm so, so happy that you chose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can't the go aliens. there yet. Yeah. yeah, I can't. I can't go there yet. We're gonna. It's. It's. Yeah. Too sad. But two C two. That's my new favorite thing. Two C two. No biggie dinner tonight. <laughs> <laughs> like like pastimes, Freedy. And we have a new Star Wars swear word. Swear word that I actually like. Sometimes Star Wars swear words bug me. I'd rather just like the and Andor. Say say the real word. Maybe I know. I know that why you can't. But scob the Empire. Uh, I, I like that one. Hey, yeah, we we saw the uh, we heard the actual Earth S word earlier in Andor, and now we're hearing the space S word of Scob, yeah, Scob, and Scobbin, <laughs> Scob, Scobbin Empire. I like that one because it's it's not trying too hard, right? To yeah, to be yeah. look at us, new swear word, just yeah. slipping it right in there. No offense, dog. The the dank Farrick and I, Garibast, I loved, yeah, yeah. Garib I love you, Chuta too as well. But like, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's sometimes not my favorite thing. But Scob the Empire, that's a good one. Perhaps controversial, but for me, Ichuda, that is like, that's what all other Star Wars fair words are, are compared to. Yes. <laughs> that's yes. the baseline. <laughs> yes. Ichuta, very, very effective, very dirty, very mean. <laughs> anyway, on that note, I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Napsack, and we're swearing and talking about Biggie Dinners. That's and right. <laughs> Biggie Dinners by itself, if you say it fast, <laughs> could maybe sound like a Star Wars swear. Anyway, we are very excited to be here discussing episode 11 of Andor. It is entitled Daughter of Ferrix, written by Tony Gilroy, directed by Benjamin Caron. It is about 36 minutes of actual story once you get past all the opening credits and uh, the uh, end credits as well. About 36 minutes of actual story. Ken, did it feel like 36 minutes? Did it feel uh, shorter? Did it feel longer? What did it feel like this week to you? I, I- I, I always actually love when you give those stats because, you know, when you you log in for the night and you're sitting down, you're like, what, how long, how long am I going to be up for us here? We always talk about our West Coast privilege to watch this at midnight, which is not too late. Uh, but you're always like, oh, and I was like, oh, 46 minutes. And yeah, then you're right. Then it's like, well, actually only 36. I, I'll say this. It felt long and sometimes, sometimes it meandered for me. But then at the end of the day, it was like, oh. I, I know this is going to be the last scene. I hear the music. I know what you're doing, Andor Show. You got that music playing, which means it's ending. And it felt really short. Yeah. No, I think I get lost in it. And I because the Andor shows have a slightly different structure, right? They, mm-hmm. They're not a really standard television episode structure. Like even with Mandalorian, which, uh, you know, I enjoy that each episode is a self-contained story while telling the bigger story of the season, right? You kind of, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know where he's at in the mission, how, how close he's gotten yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to fulfilling the quest of the week. So you have that, a little bit of that uh, sort of narrative metronome that you can check in easily with yourself. Yeah. And yeah. since Andrew doesn't always have that, it's a little bit more thematic. Uh, I get lost in like, how many scenes have passed? Uh, yeah. In this episode, definitely, it was like, oh, yeah, no. Uh, Thematically, uh, this is, it's just a a question of how long we're holding on on Andor's face at the beach before the credits (laughs) pop in for me. That was my only question. I knew we were at the end. Literally was my thought. Yeah, is he going to look out? Is he going to look back? Look down? Which which one is it? Which one's the thumbnail? Which one is it? 
Yeah. Uh, is there? Is he going to see a short trooper and start running? I thought probably not. <laughs> probably. A little too comedic uh, for him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we always like to set the scene, which we've already started doing a little bit and share our experience of actually sitting down and watching the show. We like to do that because it's, it's fun, because we're fans, because uh, we have some rituals in the way we watch it, but also uh, to just kind of take ownership of the fact that the way we watch it, what's going on in our lives, sometimes uh, affects the way we absorb and interact with the show. So what was your scene set it for me there setting man. yeah setting the scene it was a long day for me that's key right long, i had to wake up early get some x-rays at, at the hospital on the far side of the valley then go to the other side of the of the uh, northern la county to to write with uh, my my former writing partner matt Keen and i are trying to no longer be former writing partners we're trying to be writing partners again so we're work a long nice wonderful meeting long day long day and i finally got some work done got a good workout in i sat down i was like you know i'm going to relax because I'm obsessed with Fortnite again, the, the video game that you think's for children, but really shouldn't be. Uh, and I ended up playing with our buddy, Ken Plume, uh, Force 5. Check out his show on YouTube. Uh, Joseph and I have been guests on there. Uh, Ken is great, and he's a great Fortnite player. And he, like, sends me the invite on PlayStation. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. And he's both like, hey, so you're probably like me, waiting for Andor. I'm like, yeah. And, you know, it's a fun game, but it's a violent, tense game. <laughs> and <laughs> I had my adrenaline pumping and we both were like all right let's sign off and like actually go be adults and watch star wars for podcast reasons and man uh i i sat down like i'm ready for a fight with the empire my adrenaline was kind of like yeah here we go all right it's almost midnight let's do this <laughs> and these are the final two episodes and i bet it's gonna be straight fire and it was a different kind of fire it was a very emotional fire which shouldn't be a surprise <laughs> with andor so as you'll as we discuss overall reactions i had a, a little bit of a letdown at first that i quickly had a process nothing to do with the show all me and part of it was ken plume if you're listening you and i just shotgun blasting opponents that got me too revved up. I'm not going to do that again. I have to calm down. <laughs> yeah, like a, a kid running around in a circle in your footy <laughs> yeah. jammies. Being like, okay, yes. okay, calm down, calm down. Night court isn't that exciting. Calm down. <laughs> Larrakhead is, but night court not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally understandable. Yeah, it's it's been weird to kind of how do you how do you emotionally prepare for Andor? I kind of mm -hmm. I had uh, joked about uh, for for myself. It was almost like you know choosing which Sinatra album to listen to. Some of his are mm -hmm. up and swinging, and some of them are like, "Hey, are you bummed out?" Frank Sinatra will be bummed out with you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Trying to get myself into that headspace uh, earlier in the day, I, I did listen to uh, multiple bummer Frank Sinatra albums, which uh, really helped. Uh, the the uh, later eighties or early eighties album, uh, she shot me down. It's a real bummer. Got me got me in the mood. Um, but it, it, it's 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 so interesting to know that the idea of hope and connection and mm -hmm. family. And, and where this story is going, that is baked into Andor. Uh, the, the creators know that's such a part of Star Wars and clearly respect uh, that that's a part of Star Wars. But sometimes it's like it, episodes of Andor are like, here is 99% grim pain with 1% of hope way off in the distance, right? Yeah. So calibrating yeah. yourself to be, to have that experience, you know, um, and I think a lot of people are, are struggling. It's, it's a difficult time. There's a lot to be stressed about. You know, I've got some mm -hmm. stuff going on that, that is reminding me about, um, the impermanence of life <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that we all only have so much time, all that kind of stuff. I, I'm fine not to, um, scare mm -hmm. anybody. Um, yeah. just, just life stuff. And sometimes life, uh, you know, swings around and reminds you of that truth that we all know, uh, more mm -hmm. often in, in life's been finding lots of ways to remind me. Um, so going into the episode, trying to say like i'm okay 
<laughs> if I don't find a lot of hope uh, yet. And what yeah. kind of finale is this going to be? Is it going to be a big, fiery, two-part finale? Is it going to be, you know, just uh, pedal to the metal? Or is it going to continue to to be what Andor has been, a little bit slower, a little bit more uh, contemplative, all that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I went in with the right mindset uh, to enjoy it. I, I went in uh, with a, a, you know, a sort of a, a boxer's stance guarding <laughs> <laughs> the parts of myself that are too emotionally vulnerable right now. Exactly. And then I did it to myself anyway, because I, I yeah. love having the, the fun ritual of uh, thematically appropriate action figures. I got my Andor mm-hmm. action figure, got my B2 emo action figure, have fun taking a little picture of them. Uh, you know, and then I, I, I tweeted uh, that, oh, hey, I hope I'm hoping for a big reunion for these two. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Uh, and after doing all that work all day to prepare myself emotionally for Andor, I set myself up for the to just yeah. be gut punched uh, with my own tweet of not only do Andor and B2 Emo not uh, reunite this episode, but uh, B2 Emo is going to make you feel a lot of things. <laughs> so I didn't know that. Uh, I, I love these discussions as we start to look at even our overall reactions, but I think it is important. I know some people are, might be like, hey, get to the review. And, I, and by the way, no one's ever actually tweeted or, or commented mm-hmm. that to us, but maybe some people skip and get to the review. I think it's vitally important to, especially you and I as broadcasters and communicators to, to state where our brains and souls and hearts are going into these episodes, particularly a show like Andor. Uh, which there's a couple of, I've mentioned it. I, I keep the example of House of the Dragon this past season, which was this very dark, somber show. And sometimes on Sunday night, you just sit down and you're like, I don't know if I really am ready for this, but I'm going to. And I watch it. And I'm a fan. And same with Andor. I, the music starts playing and I'm like, all right, here we go. And and so it's important to set the tone. And then also because I, I struggled with some of this, this episode in the first few. And then to be able to realize, hey, it's me. It's where I am or what's going on in the world. And I need to pull apart uh, and and, and engage with it in a different way, which also, you know, how you are emotionally is, it's going to affect how you view the shows is my big point there. But I think I love these conversations. You're in a, you're in a very interesting spot to start this episode. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I, I will say this uh, quickly and we'll, we'll get into the, the review and the discussing. Um, I recently rewatched Wrath of Khan, which is one of not only my favorite Star Star Trek movies, one of my favorite movies. I haven't watched it in a little while. And there was literally nothing different about the film. The film hasn't changed, nor has my, uh, you know, assessment of it. I can quote most of the movie with the movie, mm. but just being in a different place in life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Looking at impermanence, uh, getting up to being about Kirk's age. You know, that mm. was a different experience watching that movie that I've watched over 20 <laughs> times. Like, and to me, that was just another reminder of we bring things, even though the the stories, the movies are permanent, they're locked, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we bring different things to them every time. And I didn't discover anything I didn't know. It just hit me differently on that yeah. viewing because of where I am. Hey, I love it. Yeah, one of my favorite songs is Youth, Youth is Wasted on the Young. There's a great line about here I am mid-44. And I remember when I actually was mid-44 and I was like, oh, I've been listening to this song for 20 years. <laughs> oh, this has something different. Now I'm well past it, but yeah. Exactly. Gotcha. All right. So let's uh, take a hyperspace and jump back to Star Wars and talk about our overall reactions uh, to this episode. You said you did struggle with part of it. Uh, talk to me about what you loved, what you struggled with. What was your big picture reaction? 
Um, big picture, at the end of the day, this this really hit, and I and and I love this ending. Can't wait to discuss the ending. I thought it was actually one of the more hopeful endings in Andor, which mm-hmm. says a lot. Wow. Um, but man, yeah, no. At times, I, I said earlier, it meandered. I only mean by that it just took a slow stroll through, but quick, quick little hits across. It, it, it cut back quicker to the scenes. There was, by the way, some great directing. Uh, the Vel and Clea scene, the blocking in that scene. Uh, how it was shot, amazing. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite scenes and 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 the way it was played. Loved it. So I want I want everyone to realize I really did love this episode. It's definitely a Ken issue, not an Andor issue where I was. It just was so somber. It started, <laughs> it just kept hitting me that I my first view and I just I did kind of pull out a little bit and was like, ah, eh, you know, I'll see this again in the morning. Uh, but stuff went back in again. The ending I really got uh, got into i love the aliens the a- i can't wait to discuss that mm-hmm. scene and that that did that affected me in a different way because it's a different tone and, and i think you and i might be aligned on that one there um so all that to say this feels like an episode i'll be least looking forward to on rewatches which isn't a bad thing it just <laughs> is what it is uh the amount of times i've watched game of thrones season one through eight start to finish there's along the way uh, you start an episode and you're like oh yeah, this one. Okay, it's real dark and violent. I'll, I'll eat a sandwich and watch it with one eye, you know? And this mm-hmm. this episode kind of, for me, for me personally, has, it's just so gut-wrenching. Um, I, I need to, I'll need to be careful of where I am when I watch it. Yeah, no, that, that's totally understandable. Um, I think that this episode was kind of, I don't know, uh, special in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think... I was wondering about the it's ew, it's the two part finale. Is it heading into high gear and and emotionally yes, but functionally mm-hmm. it was you know a lot of moving the the fascinating characters, but you know structurally the the puzzle pieces on the board um, mm-hmm. to set up the the big you know what would be in a movie the big third act climax you know this is the all is lost moment at the end of the second act launching us into into the third act is everybody kind of figures out where is the fight gonna happen (laughs) like even functionally right yeah and i was really uh surprised um at what they did with marva in a good way I was I was you know mm, shocked mm, mm. and then in 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 great pain with uh, B two emo that scene is incredibly well done obviously, mm. um, but you know I felt like Marva had been set up to possibly be like she's going to have some futile you know throwing a can at at the mm-hmm. troopers and, and dying just like Clem did and that that's you know kind of the the Andor motivation um, but I feel like what the show is really really trying to do is take things like that and go. How can we uh, do, do the the same idea emotionally, but approach it differently, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I was pleasantly surprised that it was she passed, you know, yeah. of of all of her various ailments, and you could get into a fun long discussion about uh, all of the uh, sort of dominoes that that fell. Would have would mm-hmm. any of Cassian's choices changed any of that? Um, mm-hmm. I don't feel like the show's super interested in that. So so to me, functionally, what what it becomes about is the big epic finale the final showdown of andor mm-hmm. season 1 is uh, a, a wonderful loving mother's uh, funeral mm-hmm. and that's really powerful and really interesting so mm-hmm. even though it was sort of like it wasn't a big fiery episode it was setting up what the stakes are <laughs> yeah yeah for the final episode which is an emotional, physical, ideological showdown at a funeral, which, which mm-hmm. you know, we can talk about more when we get into the to the big themes. But I was really, I was really affected by that. It, it functionally, that's what the episode was about. 
Yeah, and you talk about like a little bit of an expectation switch or what Gilroy and others from the staff have said. We want to always try to look at how can we approach it differently. And I do think that's admirable and it shows and and it works. Uh, There's a couple moments, what you're talking about that we've seen in the trailer but yet to see in the show. That, my expectation of that has changed dramatically in a good way. And there was a moment we'll talk with Luthen Saw from a trailer that now reads completely different to me than what I thought going in. And I, I do love that kind of stuff. And this episode did kind of have that um, vibe of going, all right, no, it's, it's, it's same, same emotions. Like you said, same emotions, different beats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then I think uh, one of the other big picture things that I want to be sure to say is I, I think we'll talk about it in depth when we get into the themes and ideas at stake. But, but overall this episode to me was just a, a devastating portrait of, of grief and loss, either mm-hmm. actual loss or fear of loss or <laughs> impending yeah. loss or relationships right in front of you that are crumbling, but it's about loss. Right. And that's, mm. that's probably what, what hit you while you were watching that, that yeah. you know, off, after your, your fortnight fervor, <laughs> <laughs> You weren't ready foaming for. at the mouth, yeah, foaming at the mouth to fight, yeah, right. You know, you sit down for ah, Star Wars and B two emos, just like you know, mm. passing you a tissue through the screen. Mm. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, this was uh, in some ways on the surface the most uh, similar to other Star Wars in terms of the ingredients that it used to mm-hmm. tell that story of devastating grief and lost loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, we've got the. The aliens, the uh, at least the one is a Caridian. Um, mm-hmm. We'll talk more about as well, a- and their weird, fun speech pattern, which is reminiscent of many parts of Star Wars. There's some a lot of the way characters talk in Clone Wars and Rebels animated series. There's some Jar Jarisms yeah. almost yeah. in that. You know, it's not yeah. just the presence of aliens; it's the way that they communicated. Um, we've got you know a, a lot of time spent on a cute droid with B2 emo, the kind of character that, you know, sometimes is criticized for like, Oh, you got to have at least one thing they can sell a toy of, you know? Mm. Uh, but B2 emo was in some ways the rock star of this episode, Yeah, <laughs> you know? And then uh, on top of that, we have, you know, a, a lot of just, there's a lot of fun ships of like, Oh, I know that ship, but we have a, a larger traditional star Wars space battle. Right. Mm. And this episode to me just really kind of brought to the forefront, some of the discussions uh, that have been happening in social media and, and sometimes not discussions, sometimes just, you know, uh, opinionated comments, sometimes snarky Mm. comments. Um, But this episode for me drove home why I like some of the surface star Wars stuff to be present in star Wars. Mm hmm is that I feel like Star Wars is always dealing with bigger ideas. Sometimes it goes out of its way to highlight them more or less to make sure you don't miss them. Um, sometimes they're kind of running in the background underneath the the fun and the whimsy and the, and the weirdness. Uh, Andor has been an exercise, and we are going to make sure that you know the stakes and that you feel them in your bones. Mm-hmm. Um, but... What I love about Star Wars is, yep, you can just say like, yeah, the aliens are surface stuff and they don't really need to be there. They could be human people, right? And yeah, the the spaceship is is fun, pew, 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, what gives it its power and what makes Star Wars unique is it is processing huge ideas of grief and loss and, and what cost are you willing to pay? Is there greater good an, an excuse for making morally poor decisions or is it what has to be done? Mm. Huge, relevant questions. 
into me, they become more powerful when they come through the eye of a sad droid mm. or the, the, the weird speech patterns of, you know, a big pasty, you know, <laughs> tech pirate guy, you know, uh, when, when it's, it's life or death, uh, but it's, it's spaceships, you know, it, it, it makes it all much more, um, intriguing to me. And I think it, what it does is it, it has the feel that Star Wars has an idea that everyone and everything matters, right? And I think I feel that more when it's like, let's let a droid be sad. Let's let a droid carry mm. the grief. It reminds you to not write off the surface level things is, is just surface. They're ideas and they mean something. And to me, letting B2 Emo carry the grief of this episode yeah. largely is a reminder to not judge things by the surface, you know? Yeah, a, a big well said, and I think more to say on it, more to say on it uh, in terms of, uh, you know, discussion around the show and, and, and ideas that have been put out there and, and things that are, you know, worth discussing about what, what makes Star Wars and what do we want. And, and uh, this episode highlighted exactly what you're talking about. I had so much fun to smile on my face on these aliens, but then you rewatch the scene and listen to, the words and see the words I actually wrote down a lot of the words because I want to learn their, <laughs> their speech patterns, but to see what was going on and how it relates. Um, I don't know. I know what you, I know what you mean. Uh, I can't maybe say it as well as you in, in this moment, but it's just, it, it um, those moments popped. And again, from uh, last night, like, that was a dark episode to this morning, waking up early going, okay, yeah, I do want to see that. And I rewatched some scenes four times, you know, and it's like, it, it hit me. Uh, and, and the themes are there. It's always there. It's one of the things we preach there a lot. Whether it's yeah. Boba Fett on a Rancor or Andor Simmering, uh, the themes are there. Yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, to try to say it a little bit shorter, uh, for me, one of the values of Star Wars is it has all these fun tensions. And one of the tensions is the the absurd mixed with the deadly serious, you know, mm. with the, the uh, you know, the profound. And I think yeah, that goes yeah. all, all the way back to... Uh, Yoda in Empire Strikes Back, right? You meet the weird comedy Muppet, and, like fun, and then suddenly you're like, "Wait, did the did the comedy frog Muppet just drop devastating truth bombs? Did mm. did the comedy Muppet just scare the hell out of me?" Yeah, <laughs> and that's that. It, it the, the surface has value because it, it it's still delivering the same content, but it is mm -hmm. it, it is changing it by coming through the mouth of a weird comedy frog. You will be. You <laughs> will be. Yeah, and I think sometimes, again, this is a discussion outside this episode. It, it becomes, uh, I don't know, sometimes it seems arbitrary to me of uh, what, what we accept. And I've dealt with that. I, you know, a campaign against Jackson for years, and Kevin Scott maybe go, well, why do I accept a squid guy and not a rabbit guy? Uh, <laughs> let me look at what's going on with that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, one only other big picture thing I want to share uh, is I have been rewatching uh, Rebels because uh, I just mm -hmm. I've been wanting to. And then I kind of realized as watching it's like, oh, yeah, this is the time frame of Andor. Perhaps, you know, over, different mm -hmm. fans have theories about the exact uh, time overlap. But around the same time, and in particular, what's going on in season one of Rebels, uh, spoilers if you haven't watched Rebels, is they are isolated and they're kept yeah. isolated by uh, Fulcrum. They're, they don't even know they're a cell, right? Yeah. Uh, so even though Rebels is is it's definitely written for a younger age and it's, it's got a lot of, here's the jokes. Here's the, the big fun action scene. You know, mm -hmm. uh, the empire seems uh, less threatening compared to the way they're portrayed in Andor. There are all these differences, 
but they're essentially dealing with the same ideas. And in particular, it, it, having watched the first season of Rebels very recently in the last week and a half, it's really interesting and, and brought a lot more out in Andor because at the mm. core of it, one of the big things that I'm sure we're going to talk about it in our analysis of this episode is, you know, what is what is the value of of Luthen's approach, right? Mm. Luthen in Andor is anointing himself as the sort of the key figure, and he decides who knows what, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's it's pragmatic, but as we're seeing in this episode, it corrodes trust. It prevents bonds from being formed. It keeps people away from the people they love. And that exact idea is what's at stake in the climax of season one of Rebels. Ezra, you know, risks everything to send a message out to the people uh, when, when they're supposed to be keeping a low profile, Luthan style. Uh, and then he and Ezra insist on rescuing Kanan when even Hera is like, no, nah, just it, it, it sucks, but it's for the greater good. It's for the greater good. We got to let him go. And they push past that and say no. And in response, the cell, the, the, the rebel group they're involved with go, you know what? You're right. Hope mm. and connection are just as important as all of the pragmatic things. So, in fact, let's come together. Let's be a bigger family. Let's take the risk and move toward unity. Mm. It, mm. having all of that on my mind that that was in a very different stylistic show on the surface the same questions were at stake and they have a different answer than what Luthen currently has really made me uh think about andor and look at andor uh in a in a not not a different way but focus on the that big question of it what is the true cost of Luthen's style of rebel management yeah, yeah, what's something big there, and also on that in terms of general note, like I, I, how I phrase it and how I, my the tone and tone of my words can sometimes, I don't know, I approach it sometimes wrong. I think what you're saying there, a lot of times I've been like upset at some of Antor fans to be like, could you look at Rebels because it's the same stuff, but now I think I also want to acknowledge the celebratory angle of isn't it so amazing and awesome and wonderful that Andor is doing the same things and it's all thematically connected. Uh, the positive approach to it there. Uh, yeah. So I'm glad you pointed that out because yeah. it's there. Yeah. Uh, fascinating stuff. If you uh, want to dig in from that perspective uh, and you can also watch Chopper uh, make fart noises and be really cool. I'm really yeah. enjoying Chopper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's a bit right. of an a-hole. Yeah. He's, he's the opposite of B2 Emo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I kind of want to keep B2 Emo a away from Chopper. I, <laughs> I think I think Chopper might be a bad influence on B2 Emo. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's get into uh, this episode, the big themes, the ideas at stake in this particular episode, how they're advancing the overall ideas of and or where did you go with this episode? I started with the idea of the darkness around hope. Uh, this episode ends with just a pure moment of of hope, uh, a decision, a reason to keep going, uh, a, a mandate to themselves and therefore the galaxy. I, I loved the ending. I really, really did. Even though I don't like beach sandals, which they both wore. Uh, loved that ending. Uh, but those clouds are overhead. And for me, and I think you've touched upon some of it and yeah, you and I always sometimes come to the same spots, but maybe different catchphrases to get us there or different ways to get us there. I looked at this episode a lot of the true weight of your decisions. Hmm. Uh, and I think Andor continues to do important work at looking at the commitment of these rebel heroes, the ones we grow up with, um, looking up to for great reason, but just pushing them and taking us to their breaking points. And they've all hit it. And how that heroic push on to mourning is always 
I don't know, just balancing on this razor's edge that could go either way. And I really felt it in this episode. I think that was was at play here. Uh, and I've heard uh, heard and seen a, a lot of descriptions of this episode already. And I think you even touched on it a little bit too, to be clear, that this show is kind of, this episode, I should say, is, is a gathering of its breath before the final exhale. And yes, it absolutely is. I also thought this episode is the show crying alone in the shower, wondering why you should even go on. <laughs> and, <laughs> And, and I think this show has been very uh, brave in a way to go, yeah, no, we're going to spend some time there again and again and again. And I think that that's, um, that, that's, that there's great hope at the bottom of this episode's barrel. But also I felt I felt it a little bit more. Uh, you said 99% and then 1% hope. I, I actually think it's really accurate. Uh, and, and I felt it more because of that. And there's so many things to get into about what I, what I thought, um, you know, the, the weight of your decisions. The big one I'll start with is this idea. And, and the Marvin death I'm, I'm with you too i was a little surprised and then it worked for me that they showed that this death happened off screen you have this wonderful uh actor fiona shah that you could have uh, given a big moment but i think she already had it she her final speech that's love like that that, that uh, that's going to stand as a great moment for her she dies off camera and to me we don't see it and we feel it through bt emo but i, I really felt that that was us feeling it like cassian and mm-hmm. and how some of his decisions he didn't get to say goodbye and that's part of what's going on with him and part of what's weighing on him and a part of what a lot of these characters are dealing with. And you're right. Everyone's alone, separated on the brink of loss. Um, Cassian and Melshi are physically wrecked. Melshi starts this episode of he can't, I can't feel my arms. My arms can't work. And then he has that little moment of tell me they're gone. They're gone. And he cl- we know he climbs, right? It's just so like everyone, that, that was kind of the episode in a nutshell for me. Nothing's working. No one feels their arms, but they're going to climb. And there's a lot of little things about uh, what it, the cost, but that's where I started. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, a a great way to look at it. I think I I put a lot of the ideas you're you're talking about under this sort of idea of processing loss because mm-hmm. I think that the show in general has definitely asked, um, what's the cost? Is the cost worth it? And there's some very specific moments of that in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're right that this is the sort of episode where it's almost like you know people. Uh, are looking at the thing that they have just lost or that they're about to lose or the choice that they made mm-hmm. and just kind of staring at it and having a, having a cry in the shower <laughs> going, <laughs> yeah. you know, can I make my hands work? Can I keep, can I keep going? What, what choice should I make? You know? Yeah. So I, I definitely agree with you in, in the big picture. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about is, is uh, it, from, from everything you said is Cass, where's Kathy, Cassian is at, at the end. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um we've talked a lot about this sort of balance of the, the personal versus the ideological in this show of, you know, when tracking the balance between the people you care about and caring about the cause and does your care for individuals motivate you to join the cause? Do you become so obsessed with the cause that you kind of push away connection and start to lose some of your humanity, lose some of your, your soul. Um, and, And I think that this episode in being about like grief and loss, was was driving home that the show is is really about the people inside the causes mm. inside the ideology we spend a bunch of time with with uh freedom fighters future freedom fighters um and even the struggling angry ones who've kind of turned off you know their their mm-hmm. emotions by choice to all of them we're kind of reminded of what their connections are and how much people matter to them mm-hmm. and i think we're also reminded in the few short scenes that we have with imperials that to the empire, people are resources. People yeah. are targets. People are obstacles. They're not friends. 
(laughs) They're not inspirations. They're not hopes. They're not balms. They're just, you know, resources. Um, And that's, that's part of what I was really fascinated by the whole, this whole episode being the sort of the, the, the setup for what I perceive will be the big final battle, which is a funeral, Mm, Uh, mm -hmm. something small and personal and real and heartbreaking becoming the intersection of war and conflict uh, because mm-hmm. of how callous the empire is because of how little they, they care about people, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, even down to like this sort of deeply spiritual process of, uh, of citizens of Ferex, especially a proud daughter of Ferex, like Marva yeah. uh, being, being made a part of the infrastructure, a part of the wall, a part of what they make there with pride, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, being bricked sounds sounds strangely dismissive, but that's, you know, the, the term they use. But they hear all that and be sort of moved by the, the picture of that culture. <laughs> mm-hmm. But we're hearing it from dismissive imperials going, oh, okay, gross, weird, why? Okay, yeah, you know. walls, yeah. Well, oh, mm-hmm. Okay, great, great. Um, so, so I felt like that was a lot of kind of, what was at stake of setting up that the, that the personal mm-hmm. and the, the big ideological cause are absolutely connected. And one of the big questions of this entire show to me has been Cassian's journey that he clearly has a deep love of personal connection. And can he marry that with getting involved in the larger cause? Mm-hmm. Uh, which, which brings me to, to want to talk about where he's at at the end, right? Yeah, because yeah. Uh, we're reminded throughout throughout this episode that functionally, plot-wise, uh, Cassian is the pawn, right? Cassian mm-hmm. is the catalyst. You know, he's a pawn to these players. Uh, Luthan and the rebels, uh, you know, want to kill him and or Luthan. Maybe he's going to have a change of heart. You know, Dedra and the Empire mm-hmm. need him for, for the ISB to be successful. Cyril needs him to have self-worth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, he's a pawn uh, to all these people. Mm-hmm. but Cassian is still driven by the personal in this episode. I think he's, you know, mm-hmm. he's fighting to survive when he's, you know, spurring Melchion to keep climbing. Right. Uh, you you got to ask yourself, like, why is he fighting to survive, you know, so hard in this, in the end kind of answers it of he's fighting that hard to survive to reach Marva. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was really important that he didn't just, I mean, he's taking a massive risk calling her, going back to like 10 feet from where he was arrested, <laughs> hoping no the short just have the day off. Right. Yeah. Or they close the beaches for some reason. Maybe there's a space shark uh, to make this risky call to connect with Marva. Mm-hmm. But it really landed with me. The tell Marva I'm thinking about her is great, but then the, she'd be proud of me. Mm-hmm. I thought that was just like a, a, a huge line to say like, Hey, I was in this awful, situation and instead of just accepting it or just looking out for number one i inspired people and i did something she'd be Mm -hmm. proud of me i love what you say because it takes my mind in two spots and i will start with the ending and and i had some notes on this as well because again i love this ending i love melshi's part in it love what melshi's saying i love the phone call i love the no names and then he uses the name of the guy's calling which is (laughs) fine they probably know who he is uh but you know cassia no 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 names Love all that. But yeah, that look on his face, I, I put down the idea of just, you know, 
that in that moment is Cassian is losing one of the big reasons he's trying to go on or has been trying to go on, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you talk about getting back to Ferrix, even there, the concern, what he might have been doing, uh, you know, getting the money so, Mom, we can get out of here. It, it, perhaps at times it's fair to say it's the only reason, and that has changed. It is changing, and now this question of who is he fighting for, uh, what did he survive for, what's his goal now? And I think you're right. This is where it kind of uh, – this, this intersection for me of, of Melshi – having this wonderful, powerful realization. Somebody's got to tell people what's happening back there. People mm-hmm. have to know what's going on. People have to know about this. Cassian agrees, absolutely agrees. But we also know, you're right, this, the, the personal stakes, the fact that this, and we don't know this final episode yet. We have no screeners on our side. And I don't mm-hmm. think they exist yet. Uh, so we're only kind of speculating what it is. But y- your point about th- the final confrontation this season will be centered around something so personal so spiritual, so important to the community of Ferex, uh, making this daughter of Ferex literally part of their community. They're, you're in the wall. Powerful. And that they, how the Empire views it and how that's going to be the center of action, possibly. That intersection that you've been tracking all through the season, Joseph, is right there. And it's right there in Cassian's eyes for me at the end of, I had this one reason or this one person and I'm changing, I'm changing. And now she is gone. Where am I now in that? And uh, what's the big picture? And then at the other side, the empire being, let them have the funeral because we'll be there. And that's what's at stake for the people of Ferrix. And that's what's at stake for the rebellion, the people. Yeah. And, and I feel like it is setting up this this possibility of a real emotional victory um, mm-hmm. for Andor. Uh, maybe a little bit of defiance from from Ferrix. But I, I had been, you know, talking about last episode and wondering, like, mm-hmm. you know, in a, in, a, in a different show, you know, Ferrix, at least that town would like free itself from the empire, right? Yes, like, yes, that's not yes. The, that's not the vibe of the victory they're going to get here. That's not the mm-hmm. empire they're showing. You know, they're not going to be like, you know, <laughs> Ferrix is a people, <laughs> yes. not a city and, and escape mm-hmm. in a ship. There's not going to be like a happy ending for Ferrix, right? So what is the victory condition? And, and this episode kind of answered some of that of like, they're, they're going to fight for mm-hmm. their the spirit of their community for the soul of yeah. Marva, for their tradition, for what it means. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- I think this might be a victory where th- Cassian gets out. Maybe absolutely no one else does, but the victory is they stood up as one and absolutely said, no, y- y- your perspective on this, the empire where, where we're just all resources and, mm-hmm. and nothing matters, but your cause and your, your ideology that is wrong it's, and we deny it. it it's potentially huge and I, I use the word potentially again because we'll watch the episode and see what yep. actually <laughs> is said in there but i think this is why this is this little curveball that i'm really enjoying i think you're right another show it would be it, by the way if they were just like enough empire you're oppressing us we're gonna fight that's fine but that's kind of what we we as star wars fans have been raised no matter when you entered star wars to look at the rebellion but especially the original trilogy it's, it's always been different i've always i've always been Hammering that the 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 gavel on the table of the the empire or the, excuse me the rebels was more fractured all those kind of things and 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 a lot, lot of there's a lot of videos and podcasts out there from other people about that too but to actually see it to go to this level I'm really excited what I'm excited for a funeral which is weird <laughs> to say but that it's the different stakes and that being at play while you're watching Luthen admit what you and I were kind of saying last week or kind of wondering not saying like it was fact but wondering. What does Luthen do when he gets back on the Fondor? Yep, 30 men plus Krieger. Sounds good to me. 
And clearly that's not the, exactly what's going on. Then, then Clay on the other side, all this, you know, Mothma, what she's weighing and tears in her eyes. By the way, Genevieve O'Reilly just killing it. Uh, there's so many wonderful acting performances in the series, but uh, we want to always make sure to highlight her because it's, it's, man, such an amazing, the moments she's getting out of um, mm-hmm. tears and silence and jaw clenching and just looks just amazing stuff. But anyways, I'm, I'm excited. Like I said, to what, what you're talking about, this intersection and how it, it is, says, it has much more value than just a fight. We're going to fight because they're the stormtroopers and we're going to do it to drill down on why and to make it so personal for this community. Uh, it's, 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 it's really powerful stuff. Yeah. And, and it, it's about the community. It's going to be about all of these things, yeah. of, you know, do, do, do Dedra do, uh, does Cyril get anything of, of what they want, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, but it's also, you know, this center on, on Cassian, right. Where, yeah. We start this we started this whole show. All of this is set in motion by Cassian looking for connection, looking for his sister, right? Yeah. And in the process, he's lost Marva. It it, it looks like Bix the Bix he knew is 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 mostly gone, you know. Mm-hmm. He he's heading towards uh a lot of potential loss. And th- that end is so fascinating because it, it seems like he's like kind of like tell Marva I get it. Tell Marva Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't just be looking out for number one. I can't just be looking out for my little group of, of people I love. She'd be proud of me. Right. Yeah. And then he goes to Melshi. Right. And I feel like there is some growth there because, because Mel, Melshi mm-hmm. basically makes a more positive argument of the greater good. Right. Of, yeah. Yeah. We, we have to split up because it's the highest risk or is the highest um, uh, likelihood mm-hmm. of us getting the word out. Right. Yep. That's a very Luthan. Uh, saw the mm-hmm. the the cause first, right? And it's the kind of thing that Cassian has spent the entire show pushing back on, right? Mm-hmm. Of going, mm-hmm. nah, 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 nah. I got an I got another warm and easy place we can go to. Yeah. But he lets go of Melshi, which yep. he hasn't wanted to let go of people at all, right? Yep. Uh, and he kind of after this, the most devastating news he could get that Marva's gone. He doesn't even get to say goodbye. She'll never know uh, to be proud of him. Mm-hmm. That. It is, uh, this is a weird way to say it. It's kind of a big boy moment for Cassian, right? <laughs> yeah, to, no. To let Melshi mm-hmm. go. And I think that's to me is a part of the power of the scene is obviously it's the, the pain of Marva, uh, mm-hmm. but he lets Melshi go for the greater good and is left alone again. Kind of the last thing that it seems like Cassian Andor wants. And, mm-hmm. you know, if that's not powerful enough, I mean, uh, obviously l- people have lots of opinions on, you know, Star Wars poetry and, you know, things like Luthen saying, you know, a sunrise I'll never see. And then, you know, comparing mm-hmm. that to all of the great uh, sun moments we've seen in Star Wars. Yeah. Um, but, but for me, it was, it's sort of unavoidable to think here's Andor at the precipice of his sort of becoming a full-time freedom fighter. One mm-hmm. would think alone on a beach in, in desperate sadness, it's hard not to compare that to his end where he is oh, on a yeah. beach, <laughs> but he has accomplished something and he is very much not alone. That, that hug mm-hmm. between him and Jin is in their connection is one of the great successes of rogue one. Yeah. So that added extra power to it of like, he, 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 he made a better choice to not fight with Melshi and to let Melshi go for the greater mm-hmm. good. But it's not what, he, I don't think it's what he wanted in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and to see him alone and in pain and, and 
it added more to knowing where he's going. Yeah, yeah, in a way, yeah. And I see a lot of those wonderful tweets, and I, you know what, I think all of them work for me. I, I am definitely a Star Wars poetry person. I think it's all there. I think sometimes some of the tweets I see, I'm like, ah, you know, yeah, it's there. It's there if you want it. And right. I think that's powerful enough. I, I would love to get some thoughts, uh, you know, when the season's over. Gilroy and his team, they love giving a good interview. Maybe we'll get some afterwards about this. I couldn't help but think about that moment. Couldn't help of of a different kind of hug, um, a tragic hug, no doubt, with Jin and him at the end. But you can't, it's the same shot almost, man, looking out at the beach. It's it's mm-hmm. it's beautiful, it's tragic, it's sad. And yes, I think you're so right. Big boy moment, letting Melshi go. And Melshi, the greater good, but the greater good being so personal for him, right? Those names mm-hmm. in the faces that probably didn't get off. Uh, you know, I was, by the way, I was waiting for someone to go, I got off and Kino Loy's there and they turn around. He's like, I'm here. And they all hug and it's all great. Um, maybe, maybe next year, <laughs> maybe next season. Uh, but yeah, so uh, yeah, it's powerful. I think, yeah, you and I both uh, gravitated to this end because it was, it was everything for me in this episode. Yeah. And, and you were saying that the end is really, really hopeful for you. And I, mm-hmm. I think I'm on the, the same page. It feels like Cassian by saying she'd be proud of me understands a little bit more of like okay marvel wanted me to fight for the for the greater good for the larger cause mm-hmm. um and, and i'm doing that I, melshi is advocating that and even though i'd rather not be alone i i, I say yep i know you gotta go uh, mm-hmm. here, here's a blaster you know best of luck um i'm sitting here alone um but i still think we're left with a little bit of an emotional cliffhanger of he's probably going to go back for the funeral right like functionally Correct. almost it, it seems likely mm-hmm. um but it still sets up this great question of like, is he, is he back there for Marva or is he back there, you know, this intersection of, of, for the cause, right? Um, mm-hmm. Is he, is he making the right choice in the moment with Melshi or is he truly, truly hearing Melshi, right? Is he, mm-hmm. is he feeling it in his bones or, yeah. you know, are, are we heading to the story that this season Started with him looking for connection, looking for his sister. In the process of the season, he's lost Marva. I think he's lost Bix. I think he's going to lose almost everyone else, uh, mm-hmm. sadly. Um, mm-hmm. And is that is that going to be like an inspiring beat at the end of this of, I finally understand I what Marva's been telling me. I need to fight for the greater good. Or is it going to be a little bit more of a somber? Uh, the Empire took everything and everyone I have. What else is there but to fight them? Uh, I, I think that's possibly uh, the path here. And I'll, I'll say, I, the hope that I, th- I, I think it's all in Melshi. <laughs> I think he's speaking <laughs> of hope. Uh, and then I, I think you're very right. I don't think Andor's 100% there. I think he's mulling it all over, right? Again, mm-hmm. this big reason, he, at times the only reason is now gone. And the way, again, talking about the weight of the decisions, I wasn't there for her. I didn't get to say goodbye. Could I have stopped it? We see the ramifications of Aldani run through the entire show since the, the, the heist. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Mothma here going, and then Aldani. Damn it. Uh, I, 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 so the way the decision, so hit, I think you're right. I think he's Mel. I just loved Melshi, Melshi starting this episode so broken and then, you know, getting, you know, on till morning, but then this kind of the reason for it and that kind of being the spark of rebellion. Everyone's got to know. And they got to know what we did there. We got to know what they were doing to the faces, the names. Also, who knows what we were building. Uh, and it, it, it synced up a little bit of the, um, I thought, your, your, your best friend, Noah Jabel. I thought of him going, <laughs> yes, star, but everyone needs to know. And that's kind of a big, big hopeful moment for me in terms of the rebellion. But I, and, and on, the, on the flip side is, yeah, and or how much does he, how much does he still process? And your thought of this episode is about processing loss. 
it's on his face there. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the acknowledgement that, hey, he's got the blaster. He's got money. He's also still got Nemec's manifesto, which oh, is I think, I love also one of the voices literally ringing in his ear, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if he's going to pump himself up on the way to the funeral by uh, <laughs> by listening to the Nemec's podcast, uh, <laughs> pre-recorded rebellion podcast. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about, you mentioned all of these great moments of the way different characters are processing loss. I'd love to kind of drill down on a couple of those those mm -hmm. scenes because it sounds like we both love them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in the big picture, obviously, multiple characters are grieving, suffering, weighing loss. Uh, uh, you know, I think it gives weight to this show wanting to be explicit about, hey, the Empire isn't just bad because we told you so and it's a good guy bad guy story it's because they create loss and pain and they don't value life mm -hmm. here's a reminder um i thought that the scene with the fun you know much wackier aliens uh mm -hmm. was so powerful in the way i was rambling about at the top because sometimes the most absurd thing delivering the most profound thing is extra moving to me and mm -hmm. i love that what the heart of that scene ultimately was is those aliens are angry that the Empire kills everything. Yeah. <laughs> kill anyone they would. Kill the water. Kill the squigglies. Care not a snod who they kill. Hey, yeah. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. <laughs> so you could just laugh at the hey, yeah. You can go, eh, that, that one's guts hanging out. And you can go mm -hmm. make, you know, weird is cyberpunk jokes, whatever. You, you, can, yeah. you can stop at the surface. But what are they saying? And what does it mean to Andor? And I think... To, to the character Andor, to the show Andor, to this episode of Andor, and I think that scene being in here so early on sets that that sets the stakes of of loss. The, the Empire mm -hmm. is loss, and look at all this loss that's coming be, because of them. And this great irony that the Empire's lack of respect for life is what saves Cassian <laughs> yeah. from these aliens. Yeah, I, I, I love this. No, I don't want to talk a lot about this scene. I, I think you and I did had the same experience of writing down all the alien lines that we could because they're so funny. And it's really just uh, Dewey, I believe, is the alien. Uh, Freedy is the the cyberpunk there. He's he's, uh, he's fascinating. Um, yeah, and so, yeah, you have no biggie dinner tonight like past times, Freedy. Uh, that, that's very funny. And I'm going to use that a lot around the house here with my chihuahuas. But uh, what does that speak? What does that speak about the empire and what's going on? This is why you and I keep, I, I think, um, maybe at times preaching, sometimes trying not to, to, to fall short of preaching so it doesn't get annoying. The, uh, the connection to Solo, of the connection of the Cloud Riders, the collect, con connection of all of them pulling their masks off and saying, this was us. The connection of Han going, yeah, Kirill used to be great, great industry, destroyed. Uh, my my dad destroyed by it. And this is the, and now I'm a scrum rat. Uh, this is what we keep saying. The, the analyze of the empire is done in this great line. Always the empire. Hey, scob the empire. They not be killing ye nay today. And we talked about the book of Boba Fett being a show about uh, the breaking the cycles, change, big things with Star Wars. It keeps showing up again and again and again. And, again, and you're right. Uh, it, it, it is the empire that essentially uh, saves Cassie to Melchie in this moment because these, um, Pirate fisher folk uh, just trying to get squigglies to survive are saying, not today. We can make a lot of money off you. How many portions? A lot of portions, but not today. <laughs> not today. Nay, today. I loved it, man. I'm not. It, it was such a great scene on rewatch. It's such a powerful scene on rewatch with these wonderful Douglas Adams hitchhiker guide to the galaxy Vogon cousins kind of design that mm -hmm. was bonkers and practical. I uh, yeah. loved it. 
Absolutely speaking out of a George Lucas dream of the way weird aliens should speak, right? Like they're yeah. kind of pirates, <laughs> but they got their own uh, weird turns of phrase and weird yeah. words and, you know, easy to write off just on the surface is silly, but what they're saying has such depth, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's so powerful in the Star Wars tradition. And I love the connections you're, you're making to a lot of the recent Star Wars storytelling. You know, I think one of the the hearts of the Obi-Wan Kenobi show is, is Kenobi's journey to redefine for himself what it means to be a Jedi. And what he really attaches to is it's to preserve life. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and Obi-Wan Kenobi is, is shaking hands uh, with this uh, Caridian. Yeah. Yeah. Not today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not, not, we're going to value life today, not use it as disposable. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I yeah I th- we'll talk about it more in the favorite funny lines it sounds like uh, because yeah some some great ones <laughs> uh, other thoughts on that scene before we move on uh, no no uh, but also like the transition was uh, you had mentioned it uh, as well but like Niamos maybe it's a now an off season but it kind of seems the Empire's presence there and the arresting of all the locals has maybe dampened the tourist industry uh, once again the Empire affecting the galaxy yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, if the videos don't already exist of Cassian saying we'll go somewhere warm and easy to uh, smash cutting to all of his horrific experiences on that beach, if that doesn't already exist, <laughs> yeah, for us to yeah. feel the pain uh, of yeah. there's nowhere warm and easy when the Empire has its boot on the throat of the galaxy. Nope, nope. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to just talk just a little bit about that, that B, the B2 emo scenes, right? Um, mm. I, I think B2 emo is uh, living up to his name in this episode. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> we finally got the, the emo um, scene, the pain almost literally through his eyes. Um, the, he's in borderline denial at first, it just gut-wrenching lines of, I don't want to be alone, I want Marva. I mean, that's just like... Mm. Uh, mm. I mean, that's just, that is the bare bones pain of loss, right? Not being able to wrap your head around the fact that the person you want, you can't have. Mm. They're not there, it, mm. you know, and for that to come from this, this fun, mm. silly droid is, is there's an extra power to it. Um, mm-hmm. But then I also thought like the continuing, it, it would be powerful if it was just like, let's grieve, uh, through the droid um but the fact that b2 emo's kind of through line it it does match cassian of like i he really doesn't want to be alone right we see we see Mm -hmm. so much of his scenes are are, they're not just about grief they're about uh kindness and connection right Mm -hmm. we've seen people be absolute you know jerks to droids uh heroes of the saga have treated (laughs) droids like crap right so here, got here's back, Rupio. right? Here's Brasso leaning down, being the anti Han Solo in this moment, right? Yeah, yeah. of you know, coming mm. up with you know the fact that giving B two emo something productive to do with the daughters of Ferrix, right? Mm. Uh, Brasso breaking down and going, "Okay, I'll sleep here because you don't, because I don't want you to be alone, right?" Yeah, it, it was it was uh, devastating, but also. Uh, hopeful in 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 having kindness and, and connection and everybody matters themes in it yeah brasso is a real one man everyone's been i think uh, everyone has a place in the heart for brasso and he's uh, just wonderful and i can't leave you here alone she wouldn't want that and, and it's uh, even goes beyond just of honoring marva but it's seeing this ailing piece of equipment right 
this mm-hmm. this 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 droid and how Star Wars and see, like you said, not just some characters making fun of three PO. We've even joked Kenobi's relationship with droids has been you know different over <laughs> times. It, it, it's it's there. It's real Mando. I mean, look at that. The, yeah. the droids are pretty uh, important part of Star Wars. And talk about surface things in Star Wars. Yeah, the droids are there. B two E has been there from the start. Uh, effective use, the way it was shot, that close up, the eye, the sound, the water, uh, everything about it uh, broke my heart, which is why it was a little hard at first. Yeah, no, and it, it, it was heartbreaking. And then just Brasso being so kind, you know, made it, yeah, uh, made it bearable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'd love to talk about the the Mothma scene a little bit if you're up for that. Yeah, well, and, and there's, uh, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because from the Brasso scene uh, with BTMO, she's in stone now. She's on her way. We're talking about an old tradition. We're talking about um, maybe has some spiritual religious sides to it. We don't know the mm-hmm. whole story there on Ferrex, but I love the interplay and, 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 and curious to get your thoughts on it too. But from some of the Brasso stuff, and it's not, I can't remember if it's a, a direct cut or anything, probably isn't, but you got these two things in place of, of here's one that uh, in Ferrex is about transformation. It is about letting go. It is about saying goodbye. It is about remembering. It is about some sort of permanence, but it's a different view on it there. Then you've got to immediately go to some of the Mothma stuff, which is fascinating. It begins with this customs traditions. I'm calling the old gods and the new to look across <laughs> the Game of Thrones. I even wrote it down. The speech was there, but the, the last tethered and permanence and, uh, how to me, I kind of looked at what the empire does. The safe, it's safe and secure society adjacent, mm-hmm. and this the old ways and being tethered and permanent seems like something the empire sure would love for us to believe and accept. Uh, it's kind of a, instead of the fear of the great other, it's the fear of the new normal. And I just thought, I just thought it was the way they played against each other, whether super intentional or not. I don't know. Maybe that's just how I took it. But I, I love that, and I love that's what brought us into the Mothman stuff. Yeah, no, uh, I, I I wrote down the whole whole chant because I was fascinated. Uh, yielding mm-hmm. in acceptance, safe in the braid of the old ways, true and steady and braided in trust. The old ways hold us, safe in the knot, in the binding, the old ways teach us. Bound against the wind, tied to shore, tethered in permanence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think you're exactly right to to draw those these two cultural um, traditions, uh, Mm -hmm. together. Right. Uh, because on the surface you could, you could see some, some similarities, right. Uh, Mm -hmm. tethered in permanence could become bricked in permanence, right. Um, finding comfort in, in a time of, of grief by, by holding on to what you believe in, what is sacred to you. That is what's going on in the, in the, the burial traditions of Ferrex, right? These are the old ways. The, this is the symbolism. This is what it means. This is what we need to do to process loss. Um, I think it's huge that we had one thing that the audience is, I th- I think, um, because of everything else we've seen on Ferrex, we are encouraged to see this as a healthy, communal, spiritual process, this mm-hmm. burial. And in contrast, this ancient Chandrillan chant uh, we see through the eyes of Mothma and Vel, and we see it as terrifying, mm-hmm. <laughs> constricting, uh, it, and it, it it does call into the sort of the the fine line of uh, honestly just religion. I mean, we've mm-hmm. we've had to kind of with our discussion of Andor rip the bandaid off uh, about mm-hmm. politics. I I just I guess we're going down the greatest hits. Now, now I have to rip off the bandaid. And, no, no and, one's going to invite us to a dinner table ever again. Really, like we'd like to come over and talk Star Wars, but only the politics and the religion. Anyone want to have us over for dinner? Like, yeah, that's absolutely what's going on. But I feel yeah. like it's it's uh, 
to me, unavoidable. I think it is dealing with when traditions that maybe started out as a way to bond a community, to give comfort to uh, structure beliefs, uh, can become something that is imprisoning, that is rigid, right? And, and to me, the the line I draw is uh, with what Mothma has been going through and her, her huge um, question of what mm-hmm. she needs to do is that she clearly feels like the, and Vel as well, that these, these ancient ways are tied to being restricted, forced mm-hmm. into marriage at a young age, not because of love, but because of tradition, maybe even because of money. Mm-hmm. And that it leads to an untold amount of pain. Yeah. Uh, and here, what Mothma had fought to, what Mothma is trapped in, what Vel dodged, here's their their next generation excited to bind herself by a tradition that they see as painful and restrictive. Yeah, I, I even love Vel, Vel. You know, Mothma says, we did. Vel's like, you did. <laughs> I got out of there fast. I a never lot did of, this chant, yeah. A lot about me they clearly didn't accept. Yeah, no, and and... and not even a dance around. Uh, to me, it's a, it, it keeps in line with some of this, the, the questions, uh, particularly in the prequels around the Jedi Order that you and I have been discussing. But it ain't necessarily the faith. It might be the structure around it that needs to be analyzed. I'm not even saying tossing it out. This isn't a me saying, you know, toss the chin, drilling ways out. It's just analyzing and analyzing what it, what it does and analyze it in this time. This is a hot new trend on on Coruscant by the young, uh, the youth of Ch- Chandrilla who are here. Uh, it's, it, this is the TikTok of, of, of course, but think of the time that it is in and the words might have had a different meaning. And, and there's some safety again, safety and security. It's a great lie to sell because we all do want that. And that's all a valuable thing to have to hear, uh, Lita. And by the way, Lita's just doing her thing. I don't trust Lita and now I don't trust her even more, but I, that was more the way she was looking at her mom in the earlier episodes. Was she going to blow up the rebellion because she thinks Tay's a problem? Um, but I don't know. I just, I, I wrote down the words too, because I want to analyze what they mean on the surface, what they might mean to these girls at the table, with their braids, just doing their thing and what people who've been through it know they mean and just mm-hmm. mixing it all up and, 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 and trying to figure out what, what, what this episode and maybe Star Wars itself says. I don't think this is a toss everything about it out. It's just analyze what it might be doing. Tethered impermanence was not a comforting phrase to me. Nope. Nope. The old ways hold us. Holding can be comfort, right? Um, yeah. Or it can be restriction. Um, mm-hmm. I had a, a professor uh, in in college, who who always you know said ideology was uh, uh, holding an idea and being held by an idea, mm-hmm. and it can be comforting, but it can also be restricting. And to me, it's just you know, without getting in into any uh, specific uh, real world religion, it's just it's just about uh, hardcore fundamentalism, right? Of taking mm-hmm. something that was designed to bring people together, designed to give comfort, designed to sort of lay out here is what we believe, here is how we relate to each other here's how what we relate to the world and turning it into something that is so rigid it is no longer actually giving comfort or connection it is isolating you know it makes you angry it makes you think you're right and you don't question anything i mean the that's that's the story of the the jedi in the prequels too right it's they have a religion the jedi and one part of their religion is to always question and always look at things from a from a new perspective and they became too rigid and they fell they they mm-hmm. you know 
uh, became too fundamentalist. Um, yeah. And I think that's that's what's really fascinating about all of this to me is it. it I feel like Mothma is this whole scene is Mothma wrestling with the loss of her daughter. Yeah. And the loss of her daughter is happening on multiple levels. Uh, I feel like Mothma feels like she followed the traditions. Uh, she uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. yielded in acceptance and tethered herself in permanence, uh, got married as a child, moved to Coruscant and is bringing up her daughter in a life and in a way that makes her daughter's sort of, natural teenage dislike of a parent turn into something really cold and awful. Mm -hmm. Um, And because of of Mothma following that, that life path, uh, she's raising her daughter on Coruscant in that line. We're like, yeah, the, the old ways aren't popular on actual Chandrilla, but because my daughter is stuck in, in weird, hard to navigate rich Coruscant, Mm. she's rebelling by looking for meaning in the past, you know, yeah. and maybe yeah. doesn't even realize the fire she's playing with, with what some of that stuff really means to other people. Like mm-hmm. you're being a, a teenager, you're experimenting with your culture and your past, but you don't understand the depth of, of, of what that might mean. And then, and, and then all of that is, is gone from like, if that if it was in a different context, would be like, Ooh, this, these are fun ideas to play with, but it all funnels into Mothma does not want to, save herself and a big chunk of the rebellion by giving her marriage, her, her daughter away for marriage. Mm. But her daughter has now set herself of her own free will on a path that is embracing that rigid Chandrillan tradition, right? Mm. That that's that the crux of the conversation where, where there's that great blocking where Vel's like, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. Yeah. It's one thing for her to be, you know, experimenting with the old ways and, and saying the chant with some friends to try to feel connected to it to, a, mm-hmm. to Chandrilla to home, but you're not going to marry her off as a child, are you? Right. Because we both agree that's wrong, uh, Vel and, yeah. and, and Mothma seem to be saying. So yeah. I was really fascinated how kind of all of it is about Mothma's fear of losing her daughter, but there's also that question of like, have I already lost her? Uh, who mm-hmm. am I to tell her she doesn't? Right. I, I think that's a little bit where we're heading. I think Mothma thinks it's wrong to take this deal um, from yeah. Davos Scumbag. Mm-hmm. But is she going to rationalize it with my daughter's going to do it anyway? Yeah, yeah. She wants to push past it, but past it. But right now, maybe she feels she can't. Uh, feels all of Mothma's choices have brought her here. You've kind of said it. Even the one set in motion years ago, decades ago, even all to that moment. I and I'm wondering too. Like now, it's a question. Where does this? Where does this end? This is a dangling thread, right? And I think yeah. you're right. Could go that way. Could yeah. go that way. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. I don't I don't know if they're going to end up on, on <laughs> at the funeral uh, at the big party at the funeral Mothma and, and Lita and Perrin uh, wedding. But I, I do feel like this is Mothma's story for the season, and it and it does need to resolve in some way that with mm-hmm. the lore of Star Wars means Mothma you know escapes capture uh, mm-hmm. from the Empire in this this question of you know what is she going to lose in order to stay yeah. able to continue to fund. The rebellion. It would be sad if it's her daughter. Parent, I'm okay with, but uh, yeah, no, absolutely there. And I even even the, you talk about the blocking choices. Uh, I love the the look of Mothma in the scene. We've seen her. We've seen her at work. This is definitely Mothma, maybe on a Friday night. I totally get that. But hair looser, a little more. Uh, you know, um, not the the senator look, the party look. We've seen a lot. We've seen high society Mothma. We've seen Senator Mothma. This is Mon at home 
little looser clothes, just kind of drinking, crying. Like it was powerful. I, again, Jennifer Varela's done such a great job. It, it was it was a different gear uh, for the character, and it really um, you felt it. Like I said loss about loss processing. Yeah, no, I mean, this, I, I kind of like this, that this was sort of Mon Mothma as, you know, the full wine mom stereotype, yeah. right? Yeah, of like yeah, yeah. pounding back a, a space Pinot Noir <laughs> while her daughter has an afternoon fundamentalism party and being like, oh man, okay. I mean, like, it, it's a joke for a reason. You know, I know real life parents who are like, yeah, my kids got this thing going that I'm not sure about. I'm worried about it. And I'm hanging out in the kitchen with, yeah. the, with a box of wine and worrying about it. It was, it was yeah. very real. Yeah, and again, I, I'm not saying the Empire is handing out leaflets or pamphlets to, to encourage all this in different cultures on Coruscant, but it definitely works to their advantage uh, with what's going on right now. Uh, buy into the new normal, hold on to the old ways, don't change, we got your back, and and uh, all that at stake going on, all that yeah. going on. Yeah, so fascinated to see hmm. what position Mothman ends up in because I, I I do like that it has it was initially sort of set up as like what line will Mothma cross and now is it like is 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 Lita going to cross the line? In Mothma, just has to accept that. Yeah, I'm telling you that we we might have one wedding and a funeral might be our our, our ending here. <laughs> what if that's the title of the final episode of season <laughs> one of Andor? One wedding and one funeral. Uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, should we talk about Luthen and Saw? Oh, can we? Yes. Please, let's. Please. Uh, yeah, yes. no, I, I'll just, I'll throw this out there. I think, uh, I think in this, this question of, you know, what are you willing to spend? What's the cost mm-hmm. for the rebellion? Uh, processing loss. I, I thought the scene was a real fascinating. Luthen and Saw circling one another. Uh, looking for help from one another to justify the sacrifice of 30 lives plus Krieger. Plus, I was going to say, plus Krieger. <laughs> plus Krieger. Uh, this scene was amazing. And again, talking about what I'm looking at this episode of your, your choices and, and uh, you know, the weight of them and, and having to understand that and maybe still having to commit to it and all this evolution, but also just the energy, man, the energy, even, even when, when, when Skarsgård's like tubes, he's my man. <laughs> He's from inside. <laughs> Loved it's everything tubes. about the, yeah, too. And it's tubes. And then, uh, you know, you and I could do Luthen and Saw voices all day. Uh, who else couldn't? We love doing our silly Star Wars voices. But I, I still, Forrest Whitaker's choices of later life Saw, I, I, I'm always amazed of because it just means so much to me. Just the paranoia seeping through. How that was, what that's kind of what isolated him and ate him up. Um, him breaking down at the end and then even leading to the, the final moment of, I, I ain't running no more. I'm, I'm un, uncoupling the breathing device, the Rogue One stuff, the Jetta mm-hmm. stuff to get there. But just to hear that that moment too, and I'm not, I know I'm jumping around the conversation. You, you, you'll guide us through here. Just, <laughs> no, no, just, no, you're not at all. I get so excited with Sosto because he just does so much and just the broken voice, the uh, the, the kind of crazed look and the feel uh, and the paranoia, him looking around. Who is it? Who is it? I, I just love everything, everything about uh, what these two bring to these scenes in, in this show. Yeah, and I love that it it, it was um your your classic uh, saw paranoia connects so mm-hmm. well with the, you know the way he treats uh Bodhi Rook right you know mm-hmm. and and even uh, uh Tevik at the beginning of Rogue One saying saw's right it's all coming apart you know you can't trust yes. anybody you know so it's great you know building blocks for that story of of paranoia but there was something different in this scene because like yeah that's saw paranoia and totally kind of understandable thing to be paranoid about uh, the way Luthen works spreads paranoia mm. um but it, it also felt a little bit like Luthen was right that that saw was 
having a paranoia moment to mm-hmm. evade the decision that Luthen mm-hmm. claims he already made in his big, strong speech that we all loved mm-hmm. uh, to to Lonnie, uh, and is kind of trying to let himself off the hook a little bit by getting Saw to agree with him, right? And totally. is evading his paranoia episode is evading answering that question. The, absolutely, and I don't want to undercut. I, I think so many people took to Saul uh, to, to Luthen's speech last week. You and I did as well. I just think you and I uh, had a little bit of suspicion of it. Not that uh, Luthen's lying. I think Luthen's fully committed. I think he. I think he, he. He said those words, those shower speech that you brought up. He has practiced those words. I loved playing with it. I love that both of these. Two very key uh, members and what's going on, two, two key participants in this rebellion, two, two arguably powerful men sitting there just kind of go, you say it, you say it, you say it, you yeah. say it, uh, you say it. Ah, man, what a dance. Yeah, you, you, you validate this awful thing that we both know we want to do. You it's know? awful. And then even to see Krieger and that stuff with Bix, you, you see the guy. He looks like a video game. He looks like from Call of Duty, but, uh, you know, bad, uh, bad company. I love that game. It looks like someone from there. But yeah, you're right. right. Just like they, they laid on the table, 30 men plus Krieger. And, 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 and both there's arguments, you know, for what you're doing. I get it. I get both sides. I just, and, and we don't quite yet know, right? I, I think it's left off the table what the decision was. Yeah, you're, you're, you're saying a lot of smart things, but you got me distracted by the video game joke. That's that's really funny. I, I now <laughs> I want to see that that scene where they're like to poor devastated Bix. Like, is this the contact? Like, and she's like, no, that's that's some guy from God of War. What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, we we got to find our moments of hope as we talk about these devastating episodes or or mm-hmm. comedy, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I, I just, I loved everything about that scene. I, I, I do love Luthen's speech, but I think it is theatrical. Uh, I think yes. it is something that he practiced and I think it's something he wants to believe he's pushing on himself so hard to be hardcore and to be like, mm-hmm. I've done it. I've shut off all my feelings because I rationally believe, you know, no connections. You use the enemy's tools against them. That's what's going to win this war. I'm willing to sacrifice my soul. And I believe it. Right. And he's saying that he's saying that because he wants to believe it. His actions often support it, but he's still wrestling with it. Right. You know, there's a scene where Mothma flies away in in, in an earlier episode and and Clea is being real cold and a hardcore and and his eyes cast down and you you see the pain. And now we see this. We we jump from that uh, theatrical, like amazing Mm -hmm. speech of, you know, shutting the door. (laughs) on on Lonnie, not even giving him time to applaud his speech, right? And that's why it has to be done. That's why I'm doing it. No questions asked. And then here he is in front of Saw going, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Saw says, you think it's worth losing Krieger? And and Luthen says, I I did. I'm not sure right now. Yeah, the great prophet uh, Lady Gaga once saying, ain't it hard keeping it so hardcore? And I think that's where (laughs) Luthen's at right now. It really is. And and, and where the scene ends up going, right, is they do look at each other and go, we got to be hardcore, right, bro? And the other one's like, <laughs> right, bro, we got to be hardcore. Yes, 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 bro. Yes, bro. Yes, hardcore. Bro. Uh, hardcore. hardcore, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a, yeah. And meanwhile, Krieger's over there like, all right, mission tomorrow, great. We're going to have dinner after that. Anyone want to go to Red Robin when we're done? Cool. <laughs> do you think we're going to see the absolute depressing annihilation of Krieger in, in the 30 lives? I yeah here I hope I hope so okay 
But I also hope Krieger gets out and shows back up and is like, saw what the scob and who's this guy? It's Luthen. You're Luthen? I thought you were the butler. Like Sheriff-ass dang ferret scob. Ichuda. Ichuda. Uh, I would absolutely love that. That's a different kind of show, uh, but I think it could still possibly exist. Yeah. Yeah. That exchange mm-hmm. at the end, you're right, the, the which was in one of the trailers, uh, you know, mm-hmm. It, well, we mm. got We got to give up Krieger for the greater good. Call it what you will. Let's call it war. So you know, that, yeah, it, it's a cool mm. line, but it is also it's it's it saws less theatrical version of of kind of uh, what Luthen's speech means of like yeah, it, it's war, which means that all all other uh the the greater good winning the war is more important than anything else. Yeah, and that was the 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 moment from the trailers that I mentioned that one of the two that it really plays different now, because in that moment in the trailer, it's saw and yeah, you're, Oh, you, you know, even we talked about it because it still kind of holds true. Like, of course, that's how he kind of views this. That's kind of been the problem with it. He's rocket launching children, whatever the cause he's dangerous. He's unhinged. He's against Mothman in a lot of ways, but now to have it Luthen, And then we, we knew Luthen was in the scene, but then to have it, it, it isn't it just play a lot different where Luthen's like, that's the truth where he's just like, yeah, we, I, I know we've been building to this, but now I'm actually, we're here. We're knocking on that door. Oh, and I, I, I just, I, it, the, the power shifted to saw as crazy. That seems of him just being like, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what it is. You're sending 30 men plus Krieger to death. And that's mm-hmm. what you're doing. And that's yeah. what maybe you should. He, on a, on a pragmatic level, asking. maybe. Yeah. yeah maybe, that's what saw right? asking. Yeah. Yeah. Saw. But I, I, but I also thought, think that there's this interesting connection to uh, my my favorite Star Wars character to hate, Noah Jabel, mm-hmm. um, who you know doesn't the Death Star. This is nonsense, all that. But but it, there is a little bit of an interesting connection here to me between that scene in Rogue One. Um, mm-hmm. This is about deciding to do something to allow something awful to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're both kind of decisions about inaction, right? Yeah. It, that there's there's an explicit question in Rogue One of like. Why did we build an alliance to fight if we're not going to fight at the moment that, hey, the day is here. We fight, mm. If we don't fight today, the fight's done. That's the question in Rogue One, almost explicitly, right? Yeah, yeah. And on one side, you can kind of see where Luthen and Saw are coming from of like, he's got this pragmatic argument of like, hey, if, if the ISB is cocky, we'll have an open field to do whatever we want. But then yeah. there's that point of like, you, Luthen, you did all this work to build this network and you cultivated this source and you don't want to throw them away. Okay. That makes sense. But what is the source for? Mm -hmm. The source has vital information to your cause and you're not going to use what you've built in order to just keep what you've built. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you see, yeah, you're, he's over here. You know, I, I, I have a sunless mind, or whatever he says, to use the weapons of my enemy to destroy them. And I think Saw is kind of like, well, you got the weapons, sport. What are you gonna do? Yep, yep, yep. It, I just, I think it just invites these these interesting questions of, yeah, you know, of, of when when you build a system with the intent to use it, but you're still not sure about using it. And in Rogue One, it's a we've built this to to fight it's it's a triumphant moment that they decide to fight and this is like the the apparatus that luthan built has is more important to him than the people that the apparatus could protect yes yes and, no yes and he's built this all for the sake of of freedom the empire takes people's freedom away it takes their choices away 
and one could have a long moral debate about it, he's kind of taking Krieger's choice away, right? hundred percent. He, cause he's choosing, uh, I was thinking about this last episode and we didn't end up talking about it with the contrast between what Luthen's speech and what, um, Andor and Kino Loy and Melshi were doing at the prison. They were giving choice back to those prisoners. Kino Loy gave a speech and encouraged mm-hmm. people to yeah. fight for freedom. And every single person who did chose that. And in contrast, Luthen's going on a speech of like, I've made this choice for Krieger and his his people, and they're gonna die. Yeah. And, and this- I'm gonna do that in service of creating a galaxy where people don't do that to each other anymore. Take yeah. away their choice. Yeah, and none of this, what you and I are saying, is is to vilify Luther. It's just Mm -hmm. wonderful, deep questions talking about rebellion and resistance and how to fight. As if Akita Loy said, all right, so tomorrow they're killing level two. We're going to let that happen because that's our window to get out. And is that worth it for us? Is it a great sacrifice for them with songs uh, sing, uh, you know, their tales? And, 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 you know, it's, it's sort of weigh them against each other. And that was what was a lot of what was last week. You and I talked about the two different speeches, Kino uh, and that, what mom was going to as mom was going through as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think to, to, that's a lot of what Saw's here for. Because, again, I think the cheat is we know a little bit of what where Saw ends up. We know what he's done. It's not addressed directly in the show. I, I'm almost waiting for Luthen to say, well, yeah, you've already, you know, done horrible things you've already you know killed uh you know citizens in your attacks i don't expect that in terms of a canon i don't think expect that to come but it's just yeah i'd love to see i'd love to see him just an hour discussing this my dinner was saw yeah i think i think this is part of what um you know rewatching that first season of rebels particularly the the climax of it uh mm-hmm. really got me thinking about of like absolutely there is sacrifice in yes. in war there's sacrifice in this story and or is going to go on to do a bunch of morally gray to awful things that he doesn't want to do in name of the greater good obviously sometimes right. that's right. what happens sacrifice uh, in violence happens in conflict in war but mm-hmm. luthen it has such a perspective of um of kind of choosing who gets sacrificed yes and everything at the end of rebels hinges on uh Kanan is choosing to let himself be captured he it's mm-hmm. a sacrifice but he gets to choose it and, and i think you know and then Ezra gets to Ezra and the whole rebels crew get to choose the risk than saying our connection to Kanan is more Im- is just as important as the greater good and that action makes uh, uh functionally Ahsoka and Bail basically go like Yep, that connection is, mm-hmm. and the hope it's inspiring is worth the risk of, of, of you know, being together and, and maybe yeah. making the greater good, you know, uh, a, a little bit under under the microscope. But we'll make more noise because the noise is necessary for, for hope. And that's such a contrast to the way Luthen is, is running the rebellion. And, and there's a ton of moral gray area in a lot of things that Luthen is doing. But in the big picture, I feel like Andor is, the show is kind of coming down on like, Mm-hmm. The Luthan perspective can't go on forever because it breeds paranoia. It breeds a, a, a lack of trust. If you're fighting to give people back choice, you can't keep taking their choices away. If you're fighting to create connection, you can't keep everybody, you know, unconnected from the people that they love. It's not, it, it's, it's, you, you are going to fully become the thing that you're fighting. And I feel like we're heading towards Luthan built this network. And he ain't going to make it. And Mothma's going to come in and she is going to 
run it with a little bit more of a sense of we have to keep connection uh, in mind. We have to keep hope in mind. We have to keep choice in mind. Those things have to be just as important as the, as the greater good or why are we doing this? Yeah. I, 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 and, and, you know, again, imagine how more powerful it would be if you, you go to Krieger and Krieger and his 30 men uh, and, you, and you go, hey, this this might happen. Do you still want to do this? Yeah, we do. Because we might win, number one. Who cares if they know? We might win. We might take out this spellhouse uh, base or we might die. Maybe that's the choice we're making. That's much more po- powerful to me um, than you're upon your peace. Again, I'm not saying Luthen's touching a dark side energy, but he's out of balance. You know, mm-hmm. he does have red lightsaber wing blades. Okay, well, and a kyber crystal. Ooh, uh, maybe, maybe. Uh, that dark cape that shot last week, a very Sith-like. Uh, mm-hmm. All I'm saying is, we, you and I talk about balance. Death is natural. Sacrifice is natural. It's part of this rebellion and part of, part of what's going on. Loss, this episode processing loss. And here is Luthen pushing against that, going, no, 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 no. This, this loss might... Uh, it's not as Krieger's death would not be natural to me at this point. Mm-mm. And, and is, he's pushing out of balance just, and it's, and it's just a, a, a great question for the rebellion of, of how do you want to look at it and yeah. what's needed? And by the way, sometimes it is, I get it. And I think a lot of people glommed onto Luthen's speech in a great, powerful way, especially with real world ramifications, kind of what you're talking about. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Radis puts down that fist to fight, but to me, he puts down that fist to fight because there's this group of, of soldiers uh, on this ship heading to Scarif and we can't let them die alone. Mm-mm. Yeah. It, it's about connection, right? Yeah. And it's about hope and, and togetherness. It's still violence. It's still tragedy. It's still loss, but it is, yeah. it's, it's choice and it's connection and it's hope. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I love yeah. it. It's great. That's anytime Saw pops up, I, I get so excited because uh, I don't have all the answers to Saw. And he's asking sometimes some tough questions. No. And this was so great because Luthen and Saw are, are similar, but I feel like Luthen is slightly more self-aware Saw. And I think he, mm-hmm. he's going like, Saw, you're <laughs> uh, yeah. make me feel better about this choice that I know I want to make, but don't feel great about, you know? Yeah. Because even yeah. Pri- pri- prior meetings, you know, Luthen's got the great, you, 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 you're fighting the people on the same side. Aren't you tall that, tired of that Saw? He's saying a lot of truths to Luthen. Yeah. You, or to oh, Saw. Yeah. You're he absolutely right. Yeah. He wants to bring the cells together. He's saying you need unity. You need to work together. Aren't you tired of fighting people who agree with you? Yeah. So he's yeah. definitely got some of that in mind. And he clearly doesn't enjoy, enjoy the idea. Maybe he and Krieger didn't get along at the bar, but he's clearly not enjoying the idea of them dying. But I just, he, he can't, he's, yeah, the greater good personal, the intersection you've been talking about and tracking all through this show is yeah. really coming to head with Luthen. And, and, you know, all the mistrust that Luthen is creating when Saw's first reaction is like, oh, that sucks for Krieger. Wait, you'd do this to me, wouldn't you? <laughs> yes yes uh yeah yeah great stuff um obviously there's a lot more about loss with you know bix being haunted by by death right yeah, yeah. and not even knowing kind of you know how damaged she is like obviously very damaged but like that, mm-hmm. that scene was left open-ended is she is she capable of lying is she even capable of speaking like that was a really haunting yeah. scene where i felt like very open-ended um yeah. I don't know if you had any thoughts on the big scene. I just hear heroes at the breaking point and her being, you know, um, how broken is the question, but you know, this is, this is not a, it's not, it's not a good scene. You know, it's, 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 it's heart wrenching. And and again, talking about some, the weight of your decisions, um, uh, none of, it wasn't her decision, excuse me, it wasn't her decision to be tortured like this, of course, but you know, or, or to be captured, but, um, everything about what she has done before and can get involved to communicate with, with Luthen. The, that was her path and it's led her to here and it's a breaking point. And can you find hope in that? Can she um, survive this at all? You know, it's, it's one of my questions. 
Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, that, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and exactly. I thought it was a really interesting, you know, hanging hanging question of you know what what is she gonna what does she want to say about Krieger, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and is she even going to be able to? Um, mm-hmm. go, go ahead, and sounds like you had well, a thought. You know, yeah. Um, I wanted to mention uh, we're talking about heroes at the breaking point or way the decisions and, and this Lutheran stuff. The little moment with Sinta. And we got the dueling spies, her serving the imperial spy, great tension. Uh, I kept thinking, I was like, are they suddenly going to realize what's going on? And they get in a fist fight in that bar or whatever? Like, what's going to happen there? A little vibroblade shanking yeah. going on, yeah. <laughs> kind of would like that. I like Santa as a character a lot, but she has represented uh, a lot, even with Val. Val being about the personal, her being about the cause. That's been very clear. It's been stated a few times. Um, but her with... I could see it as a cover. I just want to be clear. I think it could just be words she's saying in the moment. But her watching Marva die and her and, and the and Imperial spy, uh, I didn't write down his name, but him him going, someone dying, she's like, it happens. Mm-hmm. Like, and how what side she's fallen down on some of these big questions you and I are talking about. Yeah, and how, how she, if she's locked in her mission of Andor's mm-hmm. a threat. He needs to die for the greater good. The second I see him, mm-hmm. he's gone, right? Gone. And, mm-hmm. and I do still think there's a question of uh, Luthen. Yeah, that that fits into his greater good philosophy, but I don't think it's he's like ah, I fell in love with uh, Cassian. He's like a second son, but I think there is a like, mm. is that right or does he, he? He's a risk. He can see me. He he, he can yeah. you know uh, identify me, but also he's got a lot of skills. Is he more valuable alive? Mm-hmm. Will, will you know? Will Cinta and Clea turn on him if he's like no? Actually, he needs to be saved. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and 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 you and I have t- said this before, so not, nothing new. Just this show definitely is dealing and living in the gray areas of Star Wars more than perhaps other properties, but it's still edging towards a big choice for a lot of these characters, and I think that's what uh, you and I are always interested in. Yes, you can live in the gray area, but you can't stay there. Yeah. And yeah. Star Wars has uh, got some thoughts on that. Yeah, and, th- and that was the last thing for me about sort of processing the possibility of loss and, and the way you're saying it about characters at their breaking point. Uh, Clea has been very hardcore, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but this episode, I felt like the, we got even more about like her absolute connection to Luthen, not just the idea of the cause, mm-hmm. but Luthen the human, right? Yeah. Um, there's a little bit of a mm-hmm. dust up between her and Vel, which is, you know, about, rules and orthodoxy which you know there's a lot of uh-huh. in this episode um but it is also like a little bit of like who who has done more for him you know there's a little yeah. bit of you know who, who who's on luthan's you know how many stars have you got from luthan lately <laughs> kind of battle and then her her con- she, she she like there's a great you know exchange last episode of uh Clea didn't think that he should go to the meeting and, and like worried about this and he's like you're worried about everything um mm-hmm. and that great coded conversation that Clea and Luthen are having about mm. whether or not he needs to be present on Ferrix. And she's right. trying to say, no, 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 no. And, and to me that that's practical, it's pragmatic, but just the way it's played feels like another moment where even this character who has been presented to us is all cause ideology, rock hard is afraid of losing Luthen on a personal level. Mm-hmm. It's not explicit. That's my interpretation in the, in the way I, I felt the scene. I could follow you on that. I think Claire, more than any other um, moments in the show, felt a little off balance, right? Little, little uh, off kilter. Uh, even some of the looks, the sideways looks, great scene. Again, love the blocking, just the way they shot it. Both of them kind of in the center, or you know, to the to the right and left of their their shots when they're they're talking, but not on the screen at the same time. Just a lot of beautiful little technical things that I thought really highlighted the tension. 
Uh, but yeah, I, I I love the sideways looks where where Val would kind of get her. <laughs> she get mm-hmm. Val, but I think it was a little bit of um, some ice melting around uh, the, the the glacier that uh, that uh, the iceberg that Clay has been at times, and in yeah. ways that she probably needs to be for the cause. It's all not done with malicious intent by these characters; they're on the good side. But to analyze the cost, the true cost of it. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's what's great about it is is this big ongoing Star Wars question of how you fight. And mm. yes, there will be sacrifice. Yes, there will be pain. But mm. how can you not lose your soul while, while fighting for a better day? And mm-hmm. all these characters, I think, and, and everything they're wrestling with, to me, funnels into that that question. And that mm-hmm. uh, it looks like will be answered at a uh, large funeral. I think so. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> all right. Mm. Any other big picture thoughts before we take a break? Yeah, some of it's going to show up in comedy, but I do think we're talking some themes and big picture stuff. Cyril, unhinged. Oh, yeah. the This wild card uh, of a cat here. Uh, I love this scene. It has some great comedy. Amazing <laughs> we'll comedy, yeah. Amazing comedy. Uh, good job, Gilroy. Well-written comedy there. Uh, but the fact that you get Cyril... Um, this, this void, looking for this purpose, processing losses of, of his own career, whatever, status, uh, dealing with shame. His mother, which is still a thing, uh, only getting part of the information or only getting the information that he wants to hear or needs to hear from his old work buddy and the broken communication and how that is uh, definitely committing his soul to the actions he's about to take, whatever they are. Just everything about him is unhinged. It's it's un, it unbalanced as well. And I just love the moment. Love the comedy. I love all the stuff with his mother in a, in a different kind of way. Um, she's you know, fantastic with it, without a doubt. Uh, such an accomplished performer, so it makes sense. But to have Cyril in this moment, just a look on his eyes of just yeah. like, this is what I needed to hear. I, I, I've been waiting to be committed to this radicalization uh, and this journey. And here it is. I got the information I needed. And you got Buddy over there going, yeah, no, I'm, no, no, no. What? Yeah, I am working. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think kind of different levels of, of broken communication has definitely been a theme throughout Andor. And there's a lot of that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in this episode about, you know, when Vel and, and Mothma, which is like, that's great connection you know finally mothma has somebody that she could be totally honest with right mm-hmm. uh but she says about vel asks is luthan all this and she's like yes no not really who knows what he knows you know yeah, yeah. uh mothma and, and lita's entirely broken relationship that absolute daggers she shoots at her mom and then lovingly hugs vel you know yeah and then uh, the the comedy and the meaning coming out of cyril and, and mosques uh you know early iPhone, you know, <laughs> yeah. level connection dropping yeah. is, is that like that, that great uh, idea of broken connection of, yeah. you know, the, the inability to communicate effectively is going to lead people uh, astray. Absolutely. Great stuff, which we will talk about more in comedy, but for now we're going to take a quick break and we will be back with our discussion of episode 11 of and or daughter of Ferrex back in a moment. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And we are back to continue our discussion of episode 11 of Andor. We always like to talk about canon, action, moments of comedy and whimsy. And honestly, in my opinion, there was just a lot more of all of that than there has mm-hmm. been in some of episodes of Andor. So we're going to go first to canon. There's some uh, kind of fun, just surface level Star Wars things. And maybe they go beyond the surface. We'll talk about that a lot. Uh, but we got uh, some ships we know. We have the TIE Reaper. Uh, oh, whooshing yeah. above uh, Narkina, uh, uh, above Andor and Melshi as they hang on with their bloody limbs. <laughs> and a thing <laughs> called a Tie Reaper swoops over. Uh, yeah. Tie Reaper uh, figures in uh, in Rogue One and some video games and all that. Uh, Ken, did you pump your fist to see a Tie Reaper? I did. I did. I did. I I, I thought it was, uh, it's just the, the Rogue One connections uh, obviously are there in so many ways, but uh, uh, it's, it's, I know it's a favorite design of yours. It's just one of those underrated designs and one of those things that was new at one point, but just seemed like it had been there forever. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, the 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 tie striker and the tie reaper, both of them having those look more sort of bat like wings. Oh man, mm-hmm. uh, the, if, if I had the money, I would you know have a bunch of them hanging from my seat, <laughs> not in yeah. support of the empire, but in support of how cool and awful and ominous they look. I, I love them. Um, yeah, and then getting to to our aliens that we love so much. Um, so the uh, the 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 main one you you wrote down his name. I think I failed to. Uh, the the one who does more of the talking yeah uh, what, yeah what's his it, name Ken it is uh I gotta scroll go scroll it is it is Fe- there's Fetty and Dewey uh Palmular are their names okay yeah so so uh you just said it Fetty and Dewey uh Fred Freedy uh Freedy uh F R E E D I and Dewey D E W I and uh, Palmular Pam U L A R there you go perhaps a couple perhaps relatives I don't know. Yeah, nice, nice. So uh, I looked, uh, I looked uh, up uh, Dewey. He is a male Coredian. Uh We see one uh, a Coredian with Saw's partisans in Rogue One, so it's a design that harkens from Rogue One as well, according right. to the Visual Dictionary. The Coredian who's with Saw's partisans is Saisiad Ock. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. <laughs> uh, but as we talked about before, you know, the the style of their speech patterns is the kind of thing that we've seen in animated series in particular, in, in mm-hmm. Clone Wars and in, in Rogue One, at places in the prequels. You know, it, I think like the Tuzi 2, that's that's a real like Jar Jarism to me. Like, obviously, yes. it's not exactly, but it, it's in that that flavor and style. How did you feel about that in, in the middle of serious grounded Andor, we, we got a little bit more of some of this kind of more whimsical manner of expression. So I have not gone on Twitter. I wanted to see where that landed with folks. I have not yet. Uh, so by the time this episode's released, maybe I'll take a swing when I'm having some lunch, but it, it stood out, right? Especially because of what you, you've led to believe this show is, which is, uh, uh, all seriousness and grit and none of the silly Star Wars things. And that's never, that hasn't been true since episode one of this show, but this is definitely something more highlighted. I loved it. 2C2, I've been saying that to my chihuahuas already. You want two 2C2 two, two, two treats? I'll get you. Um, the the no biggie dinner tonight reminds me of brisky morning munching. Um, but uh, the, um, we're, we're, God, we're, we're just, uh, all, anyways, all of it is just, uh, I didn't write down the other line. I really loved. Ah, damn it. Um, but I, I don't know. It just, it just, uh, it's fun, but it's p- powerful, and I like it better than I've always said. Even like, you know, Zev with a real world like Cockney accent or something. I don't know. It's not my favorite thing. Some sometimes, sometimes it grows on you. You know, but this one, I, I just loved how it landed. And I loved how it played, and it was fun to see it in this show. Yeah, no, I mean the the Haya that uh, it, you know it's this kind of world building that Lucas always spoke about being interested in of like that sounds like a Canadian a eh? like just something you <laughs> yeah that in a specific culture you you repeat right and and you know obviously the the Gungan Jar Jar Oki Day is a, is a little bit more you know uh, silly wacky but it, yeah. it had that same it kind of uh, fulfilled that same sort of linguistic role to me which yeah. I just really enjoyed because uh, it is I like the absurd and the profound being mashed together in Star Wars and mm-hmm. uh, it, it's to me this is a great example of hey it's fun when we recognize things we're going to talk about things that we recognize but it, it, it's not the Leonardo DiCaprio pointing thing for me it's a stylistic choice this builds the world right knowing yeah. that, that they're 
the, these weird aliens who look like they would love talk like a pirate day on Twitter, <laughs> you know, uh, have a specific way of speaking. They have a culture. It's tip of the iceberg storytelling. Indeed. Excellent. So we will talk about them more when we get to comedy. Uh, but of course, we got the quad jumper, mm-hmm. uh, a known ship. Uh, upsettingly, the quad jumpers. Uh, <laughs> official title is the tug b13 <laughs> also known as the quadrajet transfer space tug real wow. upsetting real wow. i get where it comes from but i'm gonna stick to quad jumper uh, yeah. hey hey did you see when cassian and melshi got into the space tug no upsetting <laughs> no quad jumper that was great I had, a, I had a big smile on my face there yeah ray, yeah. ray fans unite Yep, yep. In hearing that it's old in this time, it gives you some yeah. context uh, for how the ship was doing in Force Awakens. Yep. Uh, we had the ongoing tubes uh, intrigue. Um, <laughs> it, we we have a uh, episode that we do every month for our patrons where we open a random page of a visual dictionary. Uh, this last month, we had done uh, the Rogue One visual dictionary and opened to the page of uh, Edrio and Benthink. And discovered a lot of things, including that they're both go by the handle uh, tubes or two tubes, uh, which unless I've missed some clarification somewhere, we're we're thinking that this is probably Ben Think, but uh, yeah. <laughs> we don't we don't know which of the tubes it is. Right. Yeah. It's just based off the jacket, the necklace and the weapon more than anything. Adrian mm-hmm. uh, more the pilot, uh, Ben Think more the sniper. So that's kind of where we're going there. But it's part of the fun. And again, I that yeah. Love, love, love him there more off in the background. Love it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, in uh, like I said, maybe I missed uh, some clarification somewhere of uh, which egg made it is. But it, mm-hmm. it was fun. Uh, another interesting Rogue One connection was one of the weirder characters who appears in Rogue One, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, Jin's uh, prison mate. Yeah. Uh, great. Uh, alien, a Blutopian with a face full of tentacles um, in the, uh, I believe it's the novelization, either the novelization or Rebel Rising, the book where where this character tells Jen every day, like, I'm going to kill you tomorrow, yeah. just so you know. Uh, yep. And then this character has this absolutely weird, twisted history where apparently none of the naming conventions that normally work <laughs> for Star Wars, it all fell apart because that character has three names. Uh, yeah. Nail, Kennel, and Ulin Musters. And you read the Wikipedia yeah. and it's like, uh, Ulin Musters went by many aliases. Nail yeah. kennel. Uh, all of that is to say that in a Blutopian, maybe it's mm. Nail Kennel Ulin, is, uh, is now the resident of that hotel room that, yeah. uh, that Cassian returns to. I, I loved it. And I think you and I went to the same spot. I even have the Wikipedia page up, but it's, yeah, yeah. She's the, uh, um, good job, sleep well, most likely kill you in the morning, uh, character there with Jen. And, and I think, I think it is a, the novelization, uh, love the names, love the press. And, and I even, it's the reason I brought up the Wikipedia, Wikipedia page specifically is I wanted to see if, if, if that character is actually the same and credited as an appearance in Andor, not currently. Uh, but in my head, <laughs> in my head, Ulan Mooster's, is there on the Amos? That is her, and uh, she's going to get captured doing something bad, stupid, <laughs> or not? Maybe she didn't do anything. Maybe yeah, she yeah. But, maybe uh, she's been in prison uh, all these years up until Rogue One, uh, yeah. doing nothing. And yeah. Maybe she was just going to get some pizos too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, and then I think the the there's a lot of other you know little fun things, uh, but mm-hmm. but the other big uh, appearance is the imperial ship uh, that uh, chases down uh, Luthen 
And uh, very handily, the onboard Fondor robot uh, makes it so you don't have to go to Wikipedia and tells us exactly what it is. <laughs> it's the Arrester Cruiser Cantwell class. The background yeah. of that is it was an early design for the original Star Wars film made by a designer, Colin Cantwell, that was uh, revived by the art department uh, working on Solo. It, it was planned to feature in, in larger ways in Solo, but just ended up in the Imperial uh, ad on Corellia for enlistment. Yeah. Uh, do you have thoughts, feelings about that uh, that ship? I, I, I it's one of those things I just love that it's there. The rich history of it there uh, as well, but um, it it played really well. Love that sequence again. It was something we'd seen in the trailer, and that was a lot of uh, you know Easter egg pointing to on that. But to see it in action, I thought it was such a great sequence. We'll talk about, but uh, yeah, always fun, man. Yeah, no, I thought it was really great. You know, I I love the combination of the old and the new in Star Wars, and I love the idea that you can kind of backfill. Like, we know Star Destroyers, but then what other kinds of ships mm. might the Empire have? So there's something about it that, you know, to see it in Andor, it looks so classic, the lighting on it, the yeah. color of it. It, it looks a, a lot like a Star Destroyer, and it evokes that, but it's fun to see on screen, you know, live action, also like this incredibly different, fun design so for me it's a good mix of the old and the new completely all right uh, any other canon things jump out to you that you want to discuss the, the only one it's it's show canon uh and or canon uh, the nemex manifesto returning uh, you know yeah. that, that that's an easter egg folks <laughs> <laughs> i feel like more that's a uh a, a setup for the future yeah. possibly my, yeah. myself i'm very curious about that yeah. uh all right let's move on to action then there was some action uh in this um, mm-hmm. I really loved what I'm calling the wet net. <laughs> yes. Yes. It wasn't just that they were aliens and that their design was a little bit more whimsical and that they talked in this uh, fun, interesting way while, while saying deep, important things. It was also that it wasn't just like they held them with blasters. They had weird, <laughs> gobby, wet noodle, yeah. half-cooked macaroni nets. How did you yeah. feel about that? Almost as if Shelob was like, I'm going to take notes on that. Uh, I love that. No, and what I loved about it, too, is the comedy of it, of them. And because it, it's very, it's Melshi going, we're going to do this. I feel it. He says, uh, I think his exact lines like, we're going to get out of here. I feel it. And Andor has to follow him. And they're sprinting. And it's dramatic. And just this like, huh? Uh, <laughs> capture him. It was really funny. It was really, really funny. funny. It, was, it was really effectively done because I think Andor has leveled the stakes up where, you know, if we didn't know that Melshi lived, you'd think like, well, he's going to be blown away. Right, right, right. He's going to he's going to run over a mine. You know, that that's yeah. the vibe. And instead to get caught in a comedy net <laughs> <laughs> was a fun surprise. Love the comedy. Yeah. Uh, mm. So I think really the other big action sequence is uh, what for for Andor seems incredibly explosive uh, space combat with Luthen. Uh, before yeah. we get into that, were there any other action moments that you wanted to talk about? Mm, no, no. I think this was pretty much the main event here. And, man, what an event it was. Yeah, tell me your thoughts on it. I absolutely loved it. I'd say this. The, the Fondor is now in the running for one of my favorite ships in Star Wars. Anytime we get that question. You know? Uh, you know, I, I, Mando and his space bus. I definitely love that. Definitely love the Razor Crest. Uh, you know I love my Y-Wings. Uh I love uh, I love the V wings, uh, man. I I I, I, uh, I love them all. This Fondor, it's got that uh, you could live here vibe, and it's a little more classier than the the, the Razor Crest for me. <laughs> it's a little less rugged. Uh, I really love Chip, and then to see it in action, you got Dave Collins there, the robot voice, kind of guiding you through. You don't feel alone, and maybe, maybe not alone on the Falcon. Definitely, you got a lot of droids in there, but just as a different vibe and to see it in action and to shoot the, the way it shot, uh, the, 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 the countermeasures, 
even uh, Grace and I both went, oh, uh, watch <laughs> that. Uh, Luthen, by the way, so, you know, we'll get to it, but like, yeah, yes, you can, you can talk, we'll, we'll talk about the uh, lightsaber wings, as I'm calling them, but his skills as a pilot, who he is, uh, even Mothma at one point saying, who knows how much he knows. The, the, the mystery around him, I, I don't think it's the point to the character. Mm-hmm. It's not a mystery box of Luthen, but if we ever get it, I'm, I'm just, and if it ever factors into the story, I'm so curious about who he was, where he got all these skills, where he got these toys, these wonderful toys. Uh, loved everything about it. It's just fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, I think there is a possibility that we won't get the story, but I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, some some event in his life, you know, uh, radicalized him right he he's got yeah. a he's got a clock on it of when he when he decided to go all in and, and like yeah. there's that part of me is like is he a rich guy who suffered a loss and would be an entirely different person if it weren't for the tyranny of the empire and that he mm-hmm. spent 15 years in the locking his soul down but also kitting out his ship taking yeah. piloting classes and like uh it was really like i'm i'm a soft rich guy and i'm gonna train myself to be hard in every way i'm gonna give myself these skills yeah, yeah, we've asked too. We've asked that question: of Did he start uh, upper crust and 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 learn more about the lower crust, or, the, or vice versa? A little bit column A, column B. I, I just continue to be fascinated by him. Yeah, yeah, and I I love what you're saying about the Fondor because I think it, it, this episode, this this action scene was cool uh, because it felt like the the Fondor is this extension of him, right? It looks yes. nice. But then when mm-hmm. those wings come out, it looks kind of nasty and it's mm-hmm. full of uh, surprises, you know, yeah. and it's, you know, Luthen's thought of everything. And uh, the the countermeasures action was really, really cool because we've it was, it was the old and the new. We've seen the tractor beam uh, before. Right. But this was in a different context. The idea that he has specifically countermeasures for the uh, the tractor beam and just yeah. the tons of tiny explosives. Right was yeah. a, a really cool thing and made even better by uh, the captain elk uh, uh, of mm-hmm. the, the ship right was a, a classic just you know rigid imperious imperial and i loved the way his, his response was a quiet no <laughs> it was just like <laughs> yeah. he couldn't like process it it, it wasn't like it wasn't mm-hmm. even rational and it wasn't like a oh no now this guy's gonna escape i'm gonna lose mm-hmm. my rank it was just a sort of like on an emotional level he was denying it. This wasn't happening, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I almost wish uh, Elk was um, a younger Moden Kennedy uh, from Last Jedi. This is a different version of the no, uh, of the the last Grimace. Uh, no, I that I, I was a great casting too. He looked like he was from 1977. And I mean the best way possible. He, sometimes the Imperial officers, they're all great, but you know, you know, but like sometimes they're like, ah, they, they're, they're trying to put some sideburns on a guy in 2022. He had the look of just someone who probably drove a Volkswagen van to set and uh, wore a green lime jacket and and went and sh- to shot. It went to went to set went to Pinewood in seventy seven. Went went and shot the scenes. Loved everything about him. Loved that sequence. Uh, uh, loved was he, the I love the little defeat to the Empire and how they're always just so shocked. Yep, yep. That it's just destroying their entire uh, organization of how the galaxy works in their mind by being resistant mm-hmm. a little bit. <laughs> yep. Yep. What's he doing? A whole craft. Yeah. Yeah. It ties into all the stuff like Cassian's kind of been saying. They don't care. They don't have to care. That's yeah. how you make them. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, the spinning space laser was also just like, well, that's cool. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's something different that we haven't seen. Um, it, it, you know, it, it, it was definitely, definitely a little bit more like, cool, What what's a what's an awesome, weird weapon we haven't seen on a ship before? And it, and it got a little bit more into this sort of like, mm-hmm. it, it was still 
cool and I was scared for Luthen and all that, but it was just sort of like, uh, that's awesome in, in a way that I think it is okay. That is a, one of the ingredients of Star Wars and, and you, mm-hmm. you know, decide how much you put of, uh, of that ingredient in each dish and Andor hasn't has it as much of that. So I welcome a little bit of that. Well, that was yeah. cool. Spice being thrown back in. <laughs> totally. totally. Uh, I did. I, I, I wanted to ask about the scene as a whole. We're talking about the action moments as cool moments, but I also want to be able to, to, to dive in. Mm-hmm. why do you feel like that scene was there in the narrative like plot wise we get it he the the empire is maybe aware that this is an area where partisans are are operating so it all makes logical sense but when you're looking at this episode about uh loss uh about making choices about teeing up the the big climax why does Luthen almost get caught why, why is that important for us to see in this episode in your mind Great question. I think I, my gut reaction is I go to kind of what even they're saying when they're starting the scene. Like, hey, a lot of partisan ac- activity in this area, a lot of pirates, smugglers, and Luthen trying to play it off. Is oh, thanks for the, thanks for the tip. Uh, just meaning that that the empire is coming down hard, which is something Luthen Luthen's been saying from the beginning. Right, we need them to come down hard. Oppression breeds rebellion, and here it's actually happening. And now the fight might might be here. Right, you have to, those countermeasures are are being used. And and this is what is at stake. And and if you you don't do them, or you don't find a way to to fight back, you're, you're trapped. And I'm not saying Luthen's suddenly going to be like, oh, now I get it, uh, and change the way or commit to the way. But it just kind of, to me, was the purpose because where he was leaving, the conversation he just had, mm-hmm. to they're right there, and maybe they weren't there before. Because remember, you also got Mothma saying, because of Aldani, I'm on the brink of getting in trouble, and I wasn't prior to that. Mm-hmm. It's all changed. It's all here. Odd Death Star. Yeah. And it's here. Mm. I love that that analysis that Luthen is uh we get to see Luthen personally experience mm-hmm. uh the escalation that he willfully caused. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. I think um the things that it kind of brought up in my mind is is seeing Luthen in straightforward physical danger, right? He's gonna be captured. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. really drives home a lot of what's been going on with the plot that, you know, Miro is pushing to find Luthen. That's what she wants. Cassian's yeah. a pawn, right? To get to Luthen, to get to Axis. We've also kind of been reminded that this whole episode that nobody else knows everything Luthen knows. Luthen is deciding who, who can be sacrificed. But yeah. what happens to the rebellion if Luthen is lost because he's he's siloed everything mm-hmm. so much no one it seems like maybe maybe not even Clea mm-hmm. knows everything that Luthen knows so sure. seeing him be vulnerable particularly mm-hmm. in the pen- penultimate episode you know yeah uh it, it to me it raised this question in my mind of Luthen has been clear that everybody is on the table to be sacrificed for the greater good for the rebellion mm-hmm. and he needs to he's trying to protect himself because he's the holder of all the information. Mm. So I'm curious if something's going to come where he, he is discovered, right? He is going to be caught and he realizes this, this time that he's foreseen has come that, that the person who needs to die to keep the rebellion alive is him. And if Mm. that's where we're going for the the climax of his story. And, you know, I, I feel like kind of in the lore of star Wars, uh, and I think what they've been building, Mothma is going to take over his network up to a point. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think she's going to start over and entirely rebuild a network. You know, if you look at Rebels, Bale's got one going too. Yep, maybe, yep. maybe maybe Luthen's attached to that. Maybe Bale's taking orders from Luthen too, or yeah. maybe those those cells are going to come together. Those groups are going to come together. Yep. Um, yeah. But I, I really do feel like, you know, there's a possibility that Luthen, that this scene is here to remind us that Luthen's vulnerable and he might not make it out of season one and what choices are going to be involved in that. Yeah, a bit of his he's a bit of his own MacGuffin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I really love that. And 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 um you know, for someone who wants some wants some connection, wants Saw to connect with others, and then also at the same time is willing to sacrifice. If I love what you're saying of, of him possibly only being some of the, the, the only one with, with information that's vital to it, which means he might have to sacrifice to protect it, but also he goes. Clay's like, I don't know his password. Yeah. Or does does he, you know, does he send Mothma the password, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and, we're, and that's, you know, a part of where we're, we're left with Mothma of like, you're not just the money anymore. You're mm-hmm. the holder of the keys. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So let's talk about comedy and whimsy. Cause I also thought there was more of that this episode. Uh, what Indeed. were some favorite moments for you? Uh, so outside of just quoting uh, Fred, Freddy and Dewey, uh, you know, uh, everything about that, just the, the chuckles, the, the energy about it, the lines, uh, I'll be saying that stuff for a long time and I'm forever thankful to both of them for introducing Toothy Two to me and Biggie Dinner uh, because that's what I say every time I go to 7-Eleven. Uh, <laughs> but I do want to highlight, um, yeah, Cyril, who's terrifying, but also has this undercurrent of comedy that is something else to me. I, and, and I think there is a little bit of um, comedy of frustration, comedy of futility, <laughs> part of what's going on with him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that dropped FaceTime call was hilarious to me. Just the way it's played from the beginning, because it's serious. And look at his face. And again, he is terrible. I think he, Cyril is terrifying. I don't know exactly where he's going to land, including the stuff he, last week with Miro, everything about him. But just the comedy of it, the cutting, the 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 miscommunication, the yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm on more lot of one. I'm not talking about that. And the, even the moment when they get a clarity and, uh, and the sergeant's like, uh, oh, hey, so this machine stopped. That's going to give us a lot of time to talk. Yeah, so anyways, they want us to talk. It's like, just, just F and say the words, man. Just say the words. <laughs> and I loved, I loved everything about it. And then just his mom listening. The mystery of your former triumphs has been vanquished. I can sleep peacefully now. What? What? What does she say? I love it. It's so cruel of like, oh, th- this is the kind of just doofus <laughs> you've been hanging out with. That's, that was your great triumph on Marlana uh-huh. 1 when things uh-huh. were firing on all cylinders. This is the level of person you were engaging with. Cool. Great. Yeah. yeah, so vicious, so mean. And the call was really, really funny, right? And, and yeah. it, it's kind of harkening back to the the beginning in a way of when we were introduced to Cyril, um, mm-hmm. his level of rigidity is funny. His his persnicketiness, yeah. right, of, of adding some extra, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. just uh, flair, flair to his outfit, you know? Yeah. Um, and it, it kind of, it... it, it Harkened back to that where his rigidity was funny of like mosque is kind of you know yeah. not understand just trying to give him some information that he'd like and not understanding that that his entire identity and world is caught up in this information <laughs> yeah uh, something and, special yeah and then and then just the actual comedy of of the call right um mm-hmm. I, I love when you know um mosque has established that he doesn't have much time and he has vital information <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and and yes. Cyril's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. uh-huh. And uh-huh. then Mosk takes some time to just kind of tell Cyril how he's doing, which Cyril clearly does not give, <laughs> you know, a carabast about. 
Um, <laughs> it, 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 when Mosca's been a bit rugged for me lately, but you know, <laughs> fist up, we're, we're marching onwards. And like, it's such a just like, oh, wow. It's, <laughs> it's, so, it's so real. It's so human. And the fact that Cyril mm. is selfish and doesn't yeah. give a damn is yeah. very human and very funny. What I, what I loved about this scene too, it, it, it's maybe unintentional comedy, but we're talking about these big themes and then everyone will point out correctly that a, a good villain is the hero of their own story, right? Think of, think of the Melshi Cassian scene. Think of all the things going on there. Now think of these two uh, bumbling uh, friends here. Uh, they, they're, they're trying to find hope as well. And they both think they found it or they're on till morning. <laughs> It just, mm-hmm. it just to, to, to see Cyril this moment, it's like, he's like, man, the clouds have been, uh, I've been listening to Force Center lately. They've been talking about the dark clouds, but I'm finding <laughs> hope. He thinks he's got there. He thinks he's got there. And he's got his, his, his only buddy going, oh, things are, you know, things are okay, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. And uh, they are almost Abbott and Costello, like a little bit yeah, in physical yeah. appearance. And with, without going too over the top, they're pretty close to a who's on first uh, conversation yes. about where Andor is. Of, yes. like, we understand what Mosk is trying to say of like, there's been talk back and forth to Coruscant about him going back to Ferrix, but I, Mosk, am on Morlana one <laughs> and getting Cyril yeah. is the, you know, absolutely hilariously frustrated uh, straight person just going, just tell me just where he it. bleeping is. <laughs> my best year family and he's like looking at his mom and he's like get mom get get out of here it's not my family it's my mom <laughs> yeah so i totally with you on that one um mm-hmm. g- going back to the aliens uh the credian uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh there's a couple lines i wanted to highlight um when cassian and melshi first run by <laughs> Dewey has a little whoa. Oh, <laughs> they, uh, they're really upset. They're really trucking. Look at them go. Yeah, the <laughs> little whoa is really funny. Uh, the the kind of joke that Dewey makes to Frida of uh, better fishing on land these days. Hey, uh. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, that one cracked me up. And yeah, no, I, I'm with you. Uh, no biggie dinner tonight like pastimes, Freedy. Yeah. Uh, man, my anniversary is coming up and we're, we've got reservations <laughs> and we're going to have a biggie dinner. And, uh, I mean, yeah. quoting, quoting, uh, this alien quote, quoting Dewey at a nice restaurant. It's I'm, biggie dinner time. You know, look, I, I'm someone who, this is a hundred percent true story. One time at Del Taco, they, I ordered my uh, meal, they handed it to me and they said, you all enjoy that. So <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna say I'm having a biggie dinner at Del Taco. Biggie dinners all around. Uh, yeah, uh, this was kind of a darker one, but it didn't make me laugh. Uh, the the Imperial who is telling Dedra Miro about the funeral, right? Uh, in saying uh, they'll want a permit, they know we won't allow it. They like mm. they like to keep asking. They're building a list of grievances. Mm. Uh, there is something about him being so dismissive about it. There's this contrast to like you know the the spirit of freedom and the spirit of fighting and like the the contrast between rebellion and and pushing against red tape right yeah <laughs> uh yeah uh, darkly funny to me oh everything about that I, I forget i forget the actor's name he's he's Rhaegar targaryen in game of thrones uh later in the show um as uh, season six or seven or wherever the flashbacks are uh he he's great because he's capturing this he's so inept he's so just the early scene with blevin you want the hotel i want the promotion i know it doesn't have ready money touch he's such like the actual face of the rebellion of the imperials on the ground mm-hmm. and it's so pathetic right it's so it's just 
and it, there's truth to what he's saying and it, it's dangerous. Like, you're right. It's, it's dark comedy indeed of just like what they're doing there and, and, and what he's planning on doing. But I just, yeah, there's something so wonderfully inept about him that even Miro's like, you dummy. Do you not see the big pick? <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, he's seen it in this. Uh, of course, my power can't be questioned. What is a list of grievances going to do? Well, probably cause a rebellion eventually, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, Another area that was, you know, bittersweet, but absolutely uh, hilarious to me is the the scene where where Brasso gets talked into staying mm-hmm. over, <laughs> having mm-hmm. a sleepover with B2 Emo. B2. And Brass, Brasso's telling him, like, well, you got to come to my apartment because I got to work in the morning in my place. And it's time to go. <laughs> the way B2 Emo says, I'm charging. <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious by itself. But then Brasso saying, you've been there all day. Uh, you know, it's, it's about mourning. It is sad. You know, many of us have become huge fans, not only of B2 emo, but his little doggy bed charging yep. port. Yep. Um, but it's, it's another great, great place where the, the absurd becomes profound because how many of us on social media are, are talking about having a hard time getting up, wanting to just mm. be in on, in on the couch, just feeling like we desperately need as much time as possible. Like, Mm-hmm. to recharge our batteries, to get back out there and keep fighting, right? And this yeah. sad, weird little droid is just kind of representing all that, right? The, like, yeah. uh, the I'm charging, you've been there all day is a total, like, I just need to nap. And somebody being like, you haven't got out of bed in three days. What do you mean you need to nap? Yeah. Come on, you know? Yeah, B2, B2 Emo is us the last two, three years, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I absolutely love that. Uh, any other moments of comedy or whimsy you wanted to discuss? Uh, no, I mean, it, it, it really uh, was an episode chock full of them, though, so I was thankful for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the only other one that didn't make me laugh is, you know, again, a dark comedy because it's a very serious scene, but Mothma and, and Vel, you know, Mothma literally with her hair down with wine talking about this worrying, you know, uh, condition that her daughter's in. The line about Vel's like, oh, did Perrin, you know, Talking to doing this <laughs> and Monson. No, no, he's, he's strangely open-minded on this topic. Yeah. Oh, parent. Even when you're not there, parent, you're, you're being parent. Yeah. The one time I'd maybe like you to be closed-minded. Yeah. You're open-minded. Yeah. Great. Thanks. Yep. World galaxy's worst husband. I'm, yeah. I'm sure there's a, you know, a competition for that. All right. Did you have a favorite Luthan line or noise? I think it was just, uh, well, the line, the line when he's frisked and he's like, "Put it down or give it back." I thought that was great. Just kind of like that, like, "What are you, what are you doing here, kid?" Uh, I love that line, and just I also kind of liked uh, some of his blank stares to saw as he's mulling all the hard truths over. Yeah, yeah, I I, I loved it when he's like, "Oh, we'll play this game. It's tubes." <laughs> <laughs> that was that was great. Tubes, he's my man. It's tubes. That's a winner. Uh, there's a. You know, he he's saying basically that he that he thinks Saw is a little bit of a loose cannon, and he says, "I don't know what you'll do." <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was great. And then uh, it's a competition for great Luthan lines. Uh, you, you already mentioned it, but when he's when he's doing his great acting job, pretending well, he I'm just you know a, norm, a normal guy on a on a shuttle run. Yeah. Uh, when they tell him there's a lot of piracy in the air, it's like, oh, thanks for letting me know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'll be safe. I also like what he's like, hey, I'm just a one man show over here. Like, that's how I sometimes feel in my whole career. It's just a one man show over here. <laughs> just trying to get through it here. Give me a moment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is there anything then that we haven't touched on that you wanted to? 
No, I, I definitely think, um, and, and I'll, I'll say it right here in, in, in kind of final moments here. It's like I, I mentioned up top, this didn't necessarily hit me as my favorite episode up top. It's still going to take a lot to get through on rewatches when I'm doing a, a big, uh, cheerful, hopeful run through Andor. Uh, that stuff still stands for me, but even discussing and finding what's there and seeing where it connects to the other things in Star Wars. This is why I love having these discussions because this episode has a lot of value and I was happy to uh, dive in more. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. Um, oh, you know what? I, there was one other line that I that I really liked uh, mm. about uh, Mothma and Vel. Uh, this was actually, I didn't hear it at all when I watched it without the subtitles. I only picked it up in, in subtitles. When, uh, when... Lita is happy to see Vel and they're hugging. Um, Lita, Vel asked her what she's been doing and Lita's like, well, practicing the chant. Mm. <laughs> and Vel says, huh, how's that going? <laughs> Which, you know, she's trying to stay, you know, connected mm. to her by being the aunt that Lita actually likes. Yeah. Uh, but we, the audience, know that Vel hates that chant. Uh, that yeah. was, huh, how's that going? Like, that's, that? that's the best that she could come up with. It's yeah. Pretty great. Yeah. Pretty great. All right, we are heading into the final episode of Andor next week. Do you have any predictions or hopes? Uh, we said last week, I'll say it again, all roads lead to Ferrex. I love what you're saying about the funeral being the emotional center, but also kind of the center of this, where it's all leading to. We still got some stuff on Coruscant, indeed. Uh, it would be great if Mothma shows up on Ferrex. Everyone just shows up. <laughs> um, uh, no, I, I think we're, we're getting to the whatever the final confrontation will be here. One big, uh, you, you mentioned, I hadn't thought about it too much. It's like what happens uh, I, 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 with Krieger and, and, and whatever happens, but it, I imagine we, it will be off camera uh, and still matter to the characters that we know. Um, but we'll see how they deal with that. If, if at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I think, uh, I, I think I'm very curious to see if everything just happens as planned with Krieger, I don't think that we'll see it uh, yeah, yeah. unless one of our characters get gets caught up in it. Mm. But there's that question of Krieger. There's the question of, of Mothma in, in Lita, um, yeah. which I, I, I think became even more complex with Lita's interest in, in Chandrillan tradition. Yeah. And, you know, a, a lot of what we're talking about, about, uh, about letting people make choices. That's what Mothma is fighting for. That's what Luthen mm. is fighting for. And that's why I'm really intrigued of if Mothma's like, uh, is your parent, I think this Chandrillan tradition of marrying young is, is not necessarily the best life choice, but what a position for Mothma to be in. If Lita comes to her and like, I, you know, mm. our relationship isn't good. I don't, I don't, you're never here for me, mom. And mm. this is what I want. And Lita's in her face saying, this is what I want. Is Mothma going to say, "Well, I'm going to respect her choice," and and tell myself that it's for the greater good as well? Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's a big one. Yeah, it's a really, really big one to see how all that uh, uh, comes together. I think for me, a, a big part of the show is you know, are any of these characters uh, besides Cassian <laughs> and Mothma heading into season two? Um, I, mm. I think there's a possibility that the the funeral showdown on Ferrex is a bloodbath, you know? Yeah, yeah. I fear for uh, some of them, Cinta and Vel included. I, I really do. Um, some big ones, I don't. But, um, yeah, I'm with you on them. Yeah. Brasso. I, oh, Brasso. I, I, yeah, Brasso. I'm, I, I'm just absolutely holding uh, hope in my heart for Brasso and B2 Emo. <laughs> yeah. But I do think it's interesting that Luthen might not make it past this first season. And, and how does he 
you know, pass off what, what he knows. Um, I think that that connection that's been made between Dedril, Dedra and Cyril, right? It's, it's not Cyril and, and Cassian do seem to be sort of connected. They even had another mirror scene where they both go mm-hmm. to get some money <laughs> yep, yep. for the next play, you know, and there's been lots of that, but I'm, I'm so curious. I could see Cyril continuing into the, the next season and, and we follow him on his journey. Um, does mm-hmm. he make it to the empire the way Cassian makes it to the rebellion? I think that's possible. I, I kind of don't think Dedra's my instinct is Dedra's not making it past this. I, I'd be happy to be mm-hmm. wrong. Cause I love the character. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I do think there's a really interesting thing where these these characters have their eye on the big picture, the big battle, and it's the personal that's going to come home to them. That's what's happening yeah. with the funeral, right? It yeah. isn't a big battle for the freedom of Ferex. It's a mm-hmm. funeral. Yeah. And Mothma's choice isn't about, you know, should I send 30 uh, rebels to die? It's what's right for my daughter. Mm-hmm. And I think with Dedra, I think we're on track of something else. Of her, her eye is on the prize of being you know the mm-hmm. the hero of the empire and i think cyril's a threat to her yeah yeah especially she stops him from doing anything cassian or yeah or just yeah 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 there's something in her tale of of um your obsessions becoming your what destroys you yeah 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 and the final thing for me is i i love that we had the reminder of of nemec's manifesto um mm-hmm. and, and there's a part of me of like is the is one of the final scenes, you know, Cassian having gone through a lot of loss, but being set on his his path to to fight the good fight for the cause, and yeah, <laughs> just a, a a sad Cassian listens to Nemec's uh, manifesto podcast. I was gonna say that's not even the end credit. You know, there's no end credit music. It's just the manifesto playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, did Nemec? You know, you know. Well, we know we know he recorded something about Cassian, right? Yes, uh, yes. in Cassian's soul. So are we gonna see, hear that? Uh, that's mm-hmm. exciting to me. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm clearly excited for a lot in the final season, as I know you are and all the listeners are as well. Uh, we uh, we try to end fun. What merch would you want based on these episodes? Well, we, we need uh, Dewey and Freedy. We need these figures. We need a, a, a scene, uh, you know, a cinema scenes uh, set. We, we need them in <laughs> Funko form. We need them in plush form. We need them everywhere. And the fishing nets with you would actually fire a little action. You drop it a little goo that you get with the package and then. <laughs> I was going to say, this is definitely the first uh, Star Wars action figure where I need goo. I need the wet yes. nets to be wet. Yes. Yes, you do. Yeah. Uh, I, I I have one B2 Emo action figure. I'm probably going to get two so I can take them out of the package. Uh, but I need deluxe B2 Emo that comes with charging bed for sure. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think in one of the copious uh, interviews <laughs> with the creators uh, about Andor, uh, Tony Gilroy had said that a, a, a Fondor Hallcraft shift ship a toy is is coming yeah yeah yeah, yeah. whether that's lego or who knows what else uh so we got a ship coming we need a playset right and here's Mm -hmm. here's the playset we've seen it many episodes but the playset i deeply want from andor is uh mon mothma's sunken living room conversation pit (laughs) action playset with additional uh rain you can sprinkle on the windows yeah Yeah. (laughs) yep Yep, and you can have all your your action figures sit in there, even if they are aren't articulated and their knees don't bend. They can just it's, sit on that conversation pit, legs sticking straight out. It's it's like the great joke at the end of uh, waiting for Gothman, Christopher Guest's first mockumentary there, where you know the, the remains of the day action figures. Yep, yep, yeah. My dinner with Andre, <laughs> Andre. dollhouse. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Oh, 
Great right. stuff. Great mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. All right, Ken, you want to let people know where they can find us? I absolutely do. We are the Force Center Podcast, and we are on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube. We have a call to action going on over at YouTube as we try to grow our subscriber base there. Uh, we try, we're trying to get to 6,500 subs, so go over there and sub. If you have not, we have a live Q&A coming next week on the 23rd. We also have more additional content we're preparing for the YouTube channel, so don't miss it over there. We can also find, be found on the Facebook page at Force Center Podcast. Podcast available in a lot of spots, including uh, iHeartRadio, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. You can find me at Cadnapsock. Go to my website, cadnapsock.com, for more information on things I do, like my sports card ASMR channel or my music show, Pop Rock and Radio on Mixcloud. Uh, Joseph, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on social media. I am still on Twitter for the time being. Also, Instagram is a great place to find me. You can just uh, search for uh, at Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm also on TikTok and Mastodon. And of course, uh, while you are subscribing to Force Center on YouTube, if you're so inclined, uh, you could stop by uh, my YouTube channel. It is uh, Joseph Scrimshaw. You just search for that uh, and it will pop up. Also, it's listed at the bottom of the Force Center page. Uh, I am building it up by doing some more short films. Thanks to everyone who's watched a short film with Ken and Mark Ellis in it, Peace Fight. There's more of that coming. So if you're interested, uh, please do subscribe. That is it for now. As always, uh, we like to share our thoughts, our opinions, you know, Andor is a show that has great complexity. So probably good to remind you, as always, that uh, we're we're analyzing our thoughts, our opinions. Uh, it gets into some heavy areas with tradition, uh, with uh, politics, with morality, all sorts of heavy stuff. So a reminder, as always, that uh, we are talking about what we see and we understand that there will be many different opinions out there. And we respect that. So for now, for myself, for Ken, for Biggie Dinners Across the Galaxy, this has been the Andor Report. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.